Hey, this is Eduardo Sanchez, and you're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. We have a bi-weekly show that's released every other Friday. On Horror Movie Podcast, you'll hear in-depth horror movie reviews, especially for new releases, with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. And I am your host, Jay of the Dead, podcasting from Salt Lake City, and my co-host tonight is... Wolfman Josh. How's it going, Jeff? Well, it's good. Welcome, sir. Nice to have you. At this point, we're really excited to welcome a very special guest and a good friend. He is the host of the Terror Troop, an international horror podcast, which now has 134 episodes and releases throughout the week more than once. Impressive. He is also the host of the Found Footage Files podcast. He is a vampire lover. And he knows a ton about Bigfoot movies. And I like to call him the nicest guy in horror podcasting. Welcome back, Boss Butcher. Wow, thank you. I am very happy to be here and flattered you asked me to be on. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about some Bigfoot movies for sure. <laughs> it should be fun. Oh, yeah. Great. Well, see, our theme for this show is going to be um, the first part in a multiple part series that we'll be revisiting from time to time. Right, Josh, do you want to tell about this particular theme? Yeah. I mean, this came up, um, some of our listeners suggested we do this and this is one of my favorite things to explore, um, in general, but also where it crosses over with horror, which is the cryptozoic. Um, when we reviewed Willow Creek on the show, I know we, I kind of geeked out with all of my Bigfoot uh, trivia a little bit, and um, I think that's probably what led people to thinking, hey, you guys should do a whole a whole episode on Cryptozoic, and guess what? We're going to do you one better. We're going to do like three Cryptozoic horror episodes, so it's going to be fun. We decided to focus on Bigfoot for the first one, being that we are horror nerds before we are Cryptozoic nerds. Um, it took us a little while to parse out exactly what um, monsters, creatures were, could be categorized as cryptozoic. And we we kind of went down the wrong path at first, talking about uh, the Mothman and, and Wendigo. And, and the more research I did on the Wendigo, I realized it was not as much um, a cryptozoological uh, creature as kind of a psychological and beast of legend type of, of creature. Anyway, so I won't bore you with any more of the details, but we're going to have a lot more coming. Um, what, what do you think we might do, Jason? We looked into the Loch Ness Monster. There aren't too many great Loch Ness Monster movies, at least that are meant to be horror movies. <laughs> no, um, I did find one Loch Ness horror when on uh, YouTube that that's probably going to be horrific, but um, I watched a really, really bad kind of like sci-fi channel level <laughs> it's probably um, the same thing. Loch Ness Monster movie, and it is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, rather than trying to force those all into one episode and not doing the best coverage possible, we decided to do a horror movie podcast style and really break it down. So we're going to start with Bigfoot tonight, and having Boss on is, is great because he's a, yes. a veritable Bigfoot expert. 
<laughs> That's right. And, Enthusiast and, anyway. <laughs> and well, at least when it comes to the movies, right? Um, we'll see. And we'll we'll probably be a little more casual than we usually are in this particular episode, just because you know this one we haven't had a lot of prep time to really pull it all together, and I think that's why we're going to do it in parts because it's not going to be exhaustive necessarily, and so we're going to cover a few of the the highlights here. But just so people know, you know there are probably going to be more movies that we um, leave out or, but we'll at least mention them. So it's not going to be like tons of in-depth reviews, but we'll be mentioning them. And just for a side note, uh, so cryptozoology or for people who are curious, I looked it up officially from Merriam Webster's and it says the study. Yes, it is the study of and search for animals and especially legendary animals such as the Sasquatch usually in order to evaluate the possibility of their existence. So that's what that means. Like Very exciting. So we're going to touch on a lot of uh, Sasquatch movies tonight, um, but then I think we'll dive a little bit deeper into three of those, The Legend of Boggy Creek, Abominable, which I do actually want to make a distinction between The Abominable Snowman and Bigfoot when we – um, and maybe even do an Abominable Snowman uh, episode. But this this movie, Abominable, is actually really just a Bigfoot movie. Um, and then the brand-new release exists um, from Eduardo Sanchez, who uh, directed The Blair Witch Project and Altered. And um, we actually have a very special treat at the end of this episode. Uh, we're able to interview eduardo sanchez about exists and uh should be a lot of fun yeah so we can't wait to do it so i'm gonna turn to boss butcher and say do you believe that bigfoot exists <laughs> i believe it could i don't believe it the way a lot of i talk to people about this every time i get bigfoot people on i guess and most of the ones i talk to actually think it's a real actual animal like a you know just an undiscovered species or something I tend to think it's more of a spiritual type of uh, paranormal type of thing <laughs> myself. Oh, That's what I think. I think it's very interesting. It's it's more. I, I seem to have gleaned that from like the the Native American lore, which I think they kind of look at it that way. But I uh, yeah. may be incorrect about that. Well, I've got a. I may have talked about this on the Willow Creek episode, but um, I've spent a lot of time in Alaska's. I'm sure people have heard ad nauseum. And uh, one of my really good friends, uh, who's a, a native Alaskan, um, he lived out in this small village called Ruby. And um, his family was repeatedly bothered by what his father believed to be a Sasquatch. Um, they called them Niglina there. And mm. so they actually moved um, far, like, you know, hundreds of miles away to a different settlement um, to kind of escape this Sasquatch that they thought was bothering them, kind of, um, you know, banging around at their house, stealing things, killing their livestock, et cetera. And so, um, you know, that that's definitely something they believe in those parts, this Naglina. Um, there's another village I went to called Huslia, where um, they, have a, they have a story in that village about having captured a Bigfoot, and uh, they put it up in their cache. Um, in the In the wintertime, they – or to prepare for wintertime, they put all of their uh, dried meats and things up in this cache that's, you know, about eight feet off the ground so that when the snow falls, it's still um, accessible. And that's where they keep a lot of their their goods for the wintertime. And uh, they capture this Bigfoot and put it up in their cache and left it there. 
um, until it died, and um, and apparently they dried it out and uh, and just you know kept kept pieces of it still to this day. I mean that was um, that was that's a village of about three hundred people, and they're completely cut off from um, you know there are no roads or anything to the town. I mean they have they're civilized, you know they're not wild. They have the internet via um, via uh, satellite and everything like that but they um you know they are still pretty isolated geographically and the way they talk about bigfoot there is kind of what boss said they they talk about it being similar to a medicine man in their culture they have they're humans uh, there are humans that are medicine men but they have this magic um or medicine um that they're able to kind of use in kind of a witchcraft um a priesthood type of way and um you know, at least my friend, the way he described it to me is he believes it is kind of still like a, a beast, like a missing link type of animal, but that it's a very special animal and it has a type of medicine that's so advanced that basically it knows when someone's coming and so it can hide behind a tree and let you walk by and you never know it's there and um, it has kind of this pre- premonition um, gift uh, due to its its magic or, it, or its medicine. Um so that I thought was pretty interesting. But even when I was up in Alaska, um, I was filming a moose hunt one time. And, you know, we were hunting these giant, I mean, humongous moose. And they, and they could be 10 feet from you and you wouldn't hear them. They were so good at, they would smell you on the wind. They were so good at quietly moving through the trees. Um, and it, it was really the first time where I thought, Maybe these things are real because, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, as a kid, you kind of believe they're real or at least I did, you know, watching all the typical, the typical things that everybody else knows about in search of and, and and boggy Creek. But as you grow up, you're like, well, there's no way anything like this exists and hasn't been discovered yet. (laughs) But of course we do find out in South America and places like that, you know, new species are discovered all the time, uh, still to this day. And, and when you go out to Alaska, you realize there are places that no humans ever walked. I mean, there, there are plenty of places just in the state of Alaska, let alone, you know, if we're talking about the abominable snowman, the Himalayas, or, you know, who knows what parts of the world have been untouched by, by humans. So it's a, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily believe in them, but I definitely hold out the possibility that, um, <laughs> That it's possible. I think it's yeah. possible for the first time. What well, about you, Jason? Are you a believer? Well, that's interesting. So I have two things to say on that answer. N- number one, there's something weird going on because, for example, there's an article on CNN.com from August 15, 2008, and the headline was, Body Proves Bigfoot, No Myth, Hunters Say. Okay. Well, that's... that's um. <laughs> See that... Yeah, I know what that's from. I know what that's from. That, that was a ho- that was a, a hoax. Um, from some pretty well-known hoaxers in the uh, in the Bigfoot community, people that the respects the respectable Bigfoot right right <laughs> guys don't don't care much for. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this one, I mean, the picture is actually pretty cool looking, and um, this one was supposed to be seven feet seven inches tall, like five hundred pounds, but um, no. As far as Bigfoot, what I think people are seeing, because I do believe people are seeing something a lot of the time, because there are people, you could talk to people, I'm sure Boss probably has already, that will swear by this. Like, like they're they're so serious about what they've seen with their own two eyes. Oh, yeah. At least in some, it's interesting that it goes to religion, because 
I've actually heard that um, Kane. <laughs> did you know I was going to go there, Wolfman? <laughs> I, I did actually hadn't considered it, but that's interesting. I mean, we should talk about that. Yeah. So in the LDS Church, and I, I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't quote this because I don't have the references cited here. But this is what I understand. And Josh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll keep a, I'll keep a. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's a reality check, but I'll, I'll fact check you. Well, we're, yeah, we're not official spokespersons anyway. So Cain from the Bible, and this is Cain of Cain and Abel. He slew his brother Abel, and he was cursed. And according to some people, he was cursed to still walk the earth, and he does. And I believe it was Brigham Young was, and this is in the 1800s. He was, <laughs> no, this is not correct. <laughs> that, that, that's not what you heard? No. Because what I heard is, who was it then? Yeah, this is there this was, is an urban legend, basically, that's within the kind of Mormon <laughs> word of mouth, you know, uh, what, is, what do you call that? Our oral storytelling tradition, basically. Yeah, that's um, why I say that we're not official spokespersons. But, <laughs> but, but you yeah, know, someone was riding along, like on their wagon or whatever. I believe it was John Taylor, potentially. John Taylor is what you've heard. That's hilarious. But yeah, so but the, he was, it was reported back to, it, it was, he never said this. Let's also say this. Yeah. The guy who this happened to supposedly <laughs> never told this story publicly. This was recorded in in someone else's letter or journal and said that John Taylor had told them this basically mm -hmm. that there was this man like, well, what is a lot of people describe as his Bigfoot, but it's a, it's a man who's just really hairy and furry running alongside the, the horses and covered he, in hair. And he said he was as tall as a horse, even as tall as his horse, even taller is mm -hmm. the way he was described. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and he was kind of threatening and, he just basically told him to get lost. But anyway, I've heard that and, and I've wondered about that. But um, other than that, like it, it, it is weird that we can't officially find one or prove that kind of is what makes me skeptical. I okay, guess. I hear I found the story and sorry, we should have looked that up beforehand. So the the story comes from Abraham Smoot, who coincidentally is a relative of a really good friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Smoot, who's a really talented photographer in New York, Abraham Smoot was reminiscing and told the story about David W. Patton, who was an early leader of the Mormon church. And in 1835, he said that he encountered Cain along the side of the road. He said, he walked along beside me for about two miles. His head was about even with my shoulders as I sat on my saddle. He wore no clothing, but was covered in hair, and his skin was very dark. That's where the telling of that story uh, comes from, <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah, it is hilarious. So I don't know about that, but well, anyway, that, so we got. I mean, that's from the internet. I'm not exactly sure what the source is there, <laughs> but even between me, Jason, and this source, we got the story <laughs> completely confused. <so. laughs> exactly. That's what's so great about um, Bigfoot, and I think that's what's fun about these stories. There's a Actually, the uh, Utah State University, there's an archive where there's a, a professor who's logging all of uh, these types of stories, all these folk stories about Bigfoot. And uh, they went and visited her uh, during that Finding Bigfoot show. Um, but I thought, I thought that was pretty interesting as well, um, that she's kind of going back and finding all these oral traditions and, and documenting them so we can all geek out over them. Yeah. Yeah, so let's jump into. So, you, so you believe it's Cain? Is that your is that your final answer? <laughs> it, yeah, if there is, if people are really seeing something, and um, then I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe it's Cain. 
<laughs> so is is it not? So it's it's funny because I didn't think I would be the one defending the Bigfoot exists, but um, <laughs> is it not possible to either of you that um, he is what some people claim to be um, this North American wood ape or some sort of evolutionary feral human missing link? Um, does that not um, in any way possible to to either of you guys? Yeah, I, I think it's possible because the one thing that, it, 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 as you know, you've been in Alaska, there are huge swatches of forest land that if they're, and I don't think there's like a ton of them, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I, they'd have to be pretty intelligent and pretty intuitive to be able to hide for as long as they have. But sure, I think it's possible. It's just that they are so big for one thing. And it's like, are they plant eaters or meat eaters? Because if they're meat eaters, it seems like we would really, you know, it, it, it seems like you would come upon, there would be more carcasses found. So maybe <laughs> maybe they're like, um, you know. Well, they, they believe they bury their dead. The Bigfoot people believe they bury their dead just like, right. just like so, a human. So if they kill an animal and eat it, they'll bury like the carcass? Well, the, Native, know, Amer- but- the Native Americans actually, again, in, in Alaska, Let's say that they get a beaver. Um, they trap a beaver. They bring it home. They skin it. They use its pelt for fur. They make a, a soup out of it or eat, eat the flesh. And then they take all of the um, innards and the bones and they take it back to the water and they put it back into the water where they caught the beaver to return its you know kind of essence back to nature. So mm. this is I mean those are things people are doing. Um, that's possible. I mean again I, I sound like a I'm not right now. I, I don't know if I actually, <laughs> I don't think I believe any of this. If you really pressed me gun to my head, I'd probably say no, but I do. I'm, I am someone who likes to kind of live in that fanciful uh, world in my, in my imagination. Right. So, well, let me put it this way. If, I mean, would you go camping up in the Pacific Northwest where all these like in the Willow Creek area? I mean, oh, would, yeah. would you go oh, do that yeah. by like, I mean, sure. uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think it would be awfully creepy. I'm sure it would be. <laughs> yes. I talked to the directors of um, Bigfoot, the uh, Lost Coast tapes. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said they, they hadn't been there. And they, they actually filmed on location out there. And he, it freaked them out pretty bad staying out there. <laughs> That's what they were saying. So so what did he say about the ending of that <laughs> We'll get to that maybe later. I want to yeah. I want to press this guy on some information. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to ask you guys one more thing before we jump into the movies. What was your first or first couple experiences with the idea of Bigfoot? I mean, for me, mm-hmm. that Leonard Nimoy in search of was definitely something on my radar, and mm-hmm. and then but I think it was I mean honestly I think it was Harry and the Hendersons years later that made me for the first time really be like, oh this is cool, you know, and then you know and then. And then I just covered the Patterson Gimlin film and things like that later. But boss, what do you say? Um, mine would have been Sasquatch: The Legend of Bigfoot. I believe is the name of the movie. Um, yes, yes. And it made a theater run, and I remember going to that and loving that movie as a kid. And they actually had stuff for sale out in the uh, in the lobby, and I bought. Well, my mom bought me a postcard. It was a pretty good sized postcard, and it had the the uh, Patterson. Bigfoot, and it was that was a picture that was on this postcard, and I held on to that thing. I think all the way through high school, I think I had that thing on my bulletin board, <laughs> and uh, so that was the first. And then, uh, of course, the, the uh, in search of, I definitely watched that show all the time. And then I also uh, have to throw out there, um, well, a couple TV shows. The Six Million Dollar Man had a Sasquatch on it one time. Yes, yeah, and um, nice, nice. 
And, uh, and this this movie called or a TV show called ISIS. Um, that it was it used to be showed back to back with Shazam. It was like a action packed mm. hour or half hour. And they split it up now. You can watch ISIS episodes, and it is cornball city. But <laughs> <laughs> I recently watched the whole series over again, and there is a Sasquatch in there too. But Interesting. One Interesting. episode. Yeah, that um, big uh, Sasquatch Legend of Bigfoot, one of my friends has that poster, which is awesome. The one that's on, if you look the movie up, it's on IMDb. That poster is such a cool poster, and it's hanging framed giant in his living room when you go into his house. Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's a good poster. Yeah, for me it was um it was Boggy Creek actually. Like that that's really how my family um I just come from a family of believers. The believing blood is in our veins and uh you know, they they used to talk about it and um freak me out. And so Boggy Creek which we'll be discussing soon, it, that's I think where I first learned about it and then of course from my cousins talking about it all the time and then you know we just sit around and muse and I'm from West Virginia which is no matter where you are in West Virginia you're surrounded by woods so, so that was really unsettling for me as a child because they'd be my family would be talking about it and there'd be woods all around us and it was yes. very upsetting so um yeah, I, I was freaked out for a long time by Big. Well, one fit. one other thing on that note, I mean, we all kind of live in areas that are pretty wooded. Uh, Boster from Colorado, if I'm not mistaken, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And we're we're in Utah right now, Jason. I mean, are I just recently heard that there were Bigfoot sightings in Utah? Um, there kind of have been a lot near Provo uh, <laughs> recently over the last like <laughs> three to four years, which really surprised me. Um, is are there a lot of Bigfoot sightings in in Colorado, uh, boss? Or there are some, but not a ton. And honestly, from being in the woods here, being in the woods back east, and in the Pacific Northwest, I I don't think that uh, Colorado is terribly conducive to Sasquatch. Mm. The woods here are kind of I don't know. They're just different. They're not as thick. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I don't know. But they I know down south there was a. I'm thinking they did a Finding Bigfoot episode down there, part of the episode anyway. Um, and I'm trying to remember exactly where it was, um, but it was in southern Colorado in the mountains. And they had a, I believe it was a scout group was out there and ran into one or something. Well, uh, on the uh, Wikipedia page for Bigfoot, they have this interesting map, which is the distribution of reported Bigfoot sightings in North America. And it's pretty cool. I mean, the most frequent sighting area is Washington State. And then right. the, the second most is California. And then it appears as though Oregon and Ohio are the third most, Texas fourth, and Florida like the fifth. And Colorado, it, it looks like there may have been some there, but like nothing in Nebraska, for example, <laughs> like, right. like you know what I mean, or, or Nevada, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, Nevada. So, um, that's interesting to me, and and that's like I'm sad to see that West Virginia is not on here. Um, of course, you know, I think we just assume it's somebody's relative when they see a Bigfoot there. It's like all that. Must I, also, I also think <laughs> it's fascinating that as I'm looking at the same map, you are that Alaska is so low on the list because like a lot of people I talk to there completely believe in Bigfoot. I think maybe it's just, it's a little more taboo in their culture to discuss it because it is seen as something that, you know, has this medicine. And I'm curious if that's a reason that you don't have quote unquote sightings. So it's almost like a sacred 
creature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm, Could yeah. be just population too, because I know West Virginia isn't oh, heavily populated, and, and Alaska Correct. isn't terribly huge population. So maybe they can get away very with hiding better. <laughs> you're you're much more intelligent than either of us. Uh, that's a very great obvious point. <laughs> that's what we call it in boss butchery. Yeah, I mean, like, it, I mean, if you look up in. You know, the snowy areas, for example, on this map, like, like there's nothing. It's completely zero. So, mm. which if, again if speaks to the Himalayas. And it speaks to population as well. So, yeah, that's true too. Here in this primitive river bottom wilderness in southern Arkansas, along with deer, duck, crane, and beaver, lurks a creature that walks upright. Whether it is a man, a monster, or a myth, no one really knows. What we do know is the people around Falk, Arkansas, say they have seen such a creature nearly 250 times since 1954. And that this creature, whatever it is, emits one of the most terrifying sounds ever recorded. All right, cool. Well, let's jump into our uh, our first kind of feature review, I guess. Since the Legend of Boggy Creek is um, it was one of the first on Jason's radar. I mean, we've talked about um, Charles B. Pierce a lot recently, talking about the uh, town, the dreaded sundown. This film is uh, basically takes place in the same exact area as the town, the dreaded sundown, which I think is interesting. Um, this Texarkana region mm-hmm. of along the Texas Arkansas. Uh, Louisiana border, but specifically this movie takes place in, is it Folk, Arkansas? Falk. Uh, Falk. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then, and there's this monster, the Falk monster, I guess that they discuss in, in the film. I think the interesting thing about this to me is um, I know, you know, this was the influence on Eduardo Sanchez when they first, and, and uh, Daniel Merrick, when they first made um, the Blair Witch Project is just kind of a, you know, a, the first horror mockumentary. Mockumentaries had been, around uh, before that, but it wasn't until this era that you really got one in the horror vein. And this isn't a straight out horror movie, the way we would, you know, call a movie horror Mm -mm, now, but it was the first, it was the first of its kind then. And it was a movie that freaked people out. This was a major movie at the box office. um, When it came out, a lot of people went to go see this movie and it kind of started this um, thing that was kind of popular as these faux documentaries, these mockumentaries, playing at the, the drive-in and being passed off kind of as real things. And uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is another one of those that was kind of in that um, lineage, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> well, well, every time we've uh, mentioned this, I've heard Dr. Shock say before, and if, if he were here, he would say this. Um, so this film is rated G, right? And because it's rated G, Doc has um, put together or – he has this theory that a lot of people took their kids to see it. And it's funny because a lot of people that you talk to think this is a really freaking scary movie and yet it's rated (laughs) G. And so people have this nostalgic experience with being like flipped out over this movie as children. And, and honestly, I have a little bit of that. See, I, it's been a while since I revisited it, but I did revisit it as an adult and I'm, I'm, Honest, I'm sorry to say I'm kind of foggy on it, but I will tell you this. The poster, I'm sitting here looking at it now. It's really bothering me 
this like uh, i'm feeling very uneasy and it's like dredging up this childhood like you know trauma or something and and like that poster is one of the scariest horror posters to me of all time so you know and, and i know that upon revisiting it i was like wow this is really um dry i mean there's something creepy about it but i still think it's that association i mean do you yeah. if somebody saw this for the first time as an adult I don't know. Yeah. Do you think it would affect them that way? <laughs> it's not scary. Um, it's it to me. It it plays like a, a Disney movie you watch as a kid on TV. That's kind of how it comes across. Mm-hmm. Um, it does have a little eerie bit to it, um, but you know you got the hokey songs going on, and you got yes that funny the narration just tears me up. I love it. Um, but I think it, you people are split on this movie. I think if you did see it as a kid, you have that nostalgic feeling. Mm-hmm. And it, it does capture, it's like a time capsule of the early 70s in small town, rural America. And, you know, uh, people, it, it, we, we made a lot of observations about this when we talked about it on the show. And it, it was like, uh, one thing that we really noticed is there was no... Um, or seemingly no uh, sense of personal style. Like they were just there living their life, <laughs> putting on whatever clothes they had. They didn't care. <laughs> and it's funny. And, uh, you know, because there is some real actual footage of locals and it's sort of done like a documentary really is, yeah. um, but mixed with dramatic pieces. And um, it, I just think it's you either love it like that or if I think if people saw it just raw, they just grew up and never saw it and then they watch it, they're going to be like, holy cow, Cornball City. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? I mean, when you when you look at this film, it was made in like what seventy seventy one, and and this town is so small. Mm-hmm. I mean, they say in the movie, it's, you know, three hundred and fifty people or something live in the town, and and then you're you know the area we're talking about just in this cross section of Texas and Arkansas, it's a really you know it it, it makes sense that the people are kind of like this, and there's so much you know na- nature there, I, I, and um. It's very rural, and then I think it captures kind of that rural life pretty well. There are all these stories. You know, the film is a collection of people telling their stories about these encounters they've had with uh, this monster. And, um, and and as Boss said, a lot of these people are real people. Um, I don't know that they're all telling – I'm sure they're just making up their stories, but a lot of them are actually the people that lived in this area. Right. And um, and I think that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, – but but I do think here's another thing about the movie. It's really well shot, and I don't think that comes across because you've got these non actors peppered throughout the film, um, and it hasn't been preserved well at all. I mean, the, That's all a the tragedy, yes, all the transfers yeah. you see just look terrible. But if you actually look at the you know what the shots are, especially in the opening, there's some beautiful shots in the opening of this movie with the little boy running across the field and the sun and like. It's really, it's really nice to look at, and yeah, that poster is horrifying. Yeah, it really is. But yeah, I mean, I, I will just tell the listeners, and I, I just wonder how you guys feel about this, but um, to me, I, I would not, I, I just can't in good conscience like classify this as a, a horror movie, really, because if you're looking to watch a horror movie by modern standards, this isn't that. You know, I, I just don't think it is. I think it's more of a... It's just like a mystery faux documentary, mm-hmm. and and um and the only people I feel like it's scary to, like I said, are people who have a nostalgic fear of seeing it as a child. I think it's worth checking out if you're a cinephile, you know, for like completists. I think it's um 
it's an interesting movie. I think it's interesting where it fits into this Bigfoot mythos historically. I think it's interesting, you know, that it's where it fits into this found footage slash mockumentary kind of storyline. Um, and I think it's kind of an interesting movie. I just, I don't know. I like, I like it a lot. I mean, I'm going to, I'll agree with you. Ultimately, it's not a horror movie, but I think if, again, I think, I, th- I think if a child saw it, they might be leave being a little disturbed. <laughs> I know. I, I actually considered, you know, scarring my six year old, but I'm like, nah, like maybe, maybe I shouldn't do that. Like, showing it to him. But, but do you guys think it's dry? I don't know if dry is the way I'd describe it. Like, what do you mean? A, a little bit boring. It can be. It And it, it depends on your personality and stuff. It's, you know, I it can get a little slow at times. But I, I like it because I can always laugh at something about it because um, <laughs> it's so hokey. <laughs> but I love it for that reason, too, you know. Like, I actually sang the song Lonely Cry on my show. I had to. Um, oh, well, that song, but we better get a little bit of that. Yeah, oh, by, by all means. <laughs> I don't know if I remember the words. <laughs> it has the funniest words ever, and the music's <laughs> great. Oh, I love it. But anyway, okay, right. we'll take you up on that another. I can, another uh, occasion. Maybe I'll dig the file up and send it to you guys or something. <laughs> well, well, should we go ahead and rate the Legend of Boggy Creek then? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I'll go first. I mean, I think. Um, I think Jason's right about the problems that it, that it has, but I think it still is a film that, um, just because of you know where it's where it sits in cinema history, I think it's worth checking out. And I think people who just love you know that about movies, the, the true cinephiles out there, I think you you need to see the movie once, and it's pretty accessible um, in terms of being able to to get it. It's online, it's on Amazon, and a few other places you can watch watch it streaming in a few places. So I'd give it I'd give it a whirl, but I, I think as a film, I, pr- I probably by today's standards probably just give it like a five, um, and say yeah, it is slow, but it's worth a rental. It's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Boss Butcher. What do you say? Yeah, I I don't remember where I rated this. I I think I've actually talked about it twice on the show, and because we're doing the Charles B. Pierce thing ourselves, um, going through his films, we haven't gotten to Town that Dreads Sundown yet. Um, that's that episode seems cursed for some reason, but <laughs> anyways, uh, yeah, I I'm kind of with you. I mean, it, it's a six for me, and it, it, it's kind of a nostalgic spin. You know, I I don't know. That's just me. I, I I think if you're a Bigfoot, if you like Bigfoot movies, you gotta watch it. <laughs> it's like uh, kind of yeah. like the the mother of all Bigfoot movies, even though there were ones before it. But yeah, it's well, the big one. yeah, I my sentiments are captured 100 percent exactly in what both of you said. <laughs> so yeah, I think just the completest in me says you know you have to at least see it once. So I, I give it a five out of ten. And I'd call it more of a low-priority rental, but an eventual rental. <laughs> there you go. Well, cool. Um, I mean, I think that is the first really significant um, Bigfoot movie that we come across. But, um, you know, there were a lot during that time period. And again, like his boss said, a lot of them were on TV, um, these kind of made-for-TV things. But were there any other Bigfoot movies that really stood out for you in the next 20 to 30 years, <laughs> I guess? Um, well, it, it, not then, but now. Like, I've gone back and watched tons of them. One that did stand out to me was one with Bo Svensson. It was a made-for-TV movie, though. Mm. And it was uh, Snow Beast, I believe, was the name of it. Mm. That is actually a fun movie. 
Um, I'm going to call that an abominable snowman movie still, but it yes. probably is. He is a white furred Bigfoot type thing <laughs> in, in the snow too. So that's, yes, that, that's one of my classifications. And that was in Colorado. That <laughs> yeah, that's wow. cool. No, I, I do like snow beast actually. Um, I like it about the same as I like Sasquatch, the legend of Bigfoot, but I think, right? yeah. I think, I think that is one on my list. I think people, you know, there, there may be only, you know, as we said, the Legend of Boggy Creek is kind of a must-see. I think there's maybe only like four or five must-see Bigfoot movies, and I would put Sasquatch, The Legend of Bigfoot from 1977 on that list as well for me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jason, or any other Bigfoot movies that really stood out to you over the years? Mm, man, <laughs> not really, but I did pull up, and maybe you guys have seen this as well, but uh, on the Wikipedia Bigfoot Films page, if you go down through, it's got some abominable stuff in there too but you got a 1970 bigfoot film you got a 2012 bigfoot film bigfoot the unforgettable encounter um tell me if you guys are you know Wait, you went 1970 <laughs> to 2012 is well, that- these are in alphabetical if, if order seen them or anything? yeah if you have any comments feel free I, to the 2012 in. one tv movie it was an asylum movie i believe the only good thing about it is it has alice cooper in it <laughs> okay. Okay. And that I mean, Bigfoot's huge. He's like a Godzilla Bigfoot or something. Wow. <laughs> if you want to just talk about the ones that are worth seeing, I mean, I think there are, there, are, wow. there are a lot of kind of interesting ones out there. I think um I got one. One, one that I don't love, but I <laughs> but you know, for the for the real diehard nerds, I think um The Untold is what they're calling it now, but it was Sasquatch when it was released with Lance Hendrickson and he's been in like Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's been in like 3 uh, Bigfoot movies that I that I can find at um, least yes, <laughs> but the Untold is what is uh, is one that I actually kind of enjoy. It, it's really cheesy, but yeah, that's a good one. What about what do you guys think of Sasquatch Mountain? Because that's another. Um, some people call it Devil on the Mountain. It's another, I don't think I've seen that one. It's got Lance honestly. in it, Lance Henriksen, but. It's um, on the list. What were you What were you gonna say, boss? Um, oh well, had, one I have is not for everyone, for sure, because it's real low budget, and I love crappy movies and unabashedly and unashamedly like them. Yes, but you this do. one is special. Uh, my my cohort over on Found Footage Files, Kelly Kilbot, begged me to watch this movie forever, and I wish I would have done it as soon as he suggested. But it, it's called Night of the Demon. And it's, uh, I believe, 1979, 1980. Yeah. Real low budget, real low quality. But the kills are insane in that movie. <laughs> that Bigfoot is out of his mind. He, <laughs> he rips people's arms off. He bites someone's, or no, not bites. He rips off someone's genitals. Um, he makes two Girl Scouts stab each other to death. <laughs> Yikes. <Whoa. laughs> yeah, and that's just some of the fun in that movie. It's And it has this creep, freaky, psychedelic soundtrack. I don't know. I love it though, but we've reviewed it with people who hated it and didn't want to finish watching it too. So that sounds hilarious. Is yeah. it is it horror comedy or is it supposed no, to be serious? It's supposed to be serious. Yeah, I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but it is because you're just like, no way, they didn't just do that. You know what I mean? It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that didn't that end up was that a video nasties or not? It, it may well have been, yeah, cuz it's pretty I mean, for that time period it's pretty wild. I mean, some of the stuff they do in that movie. <laughs> yeah. So, we we reviewed Willow Creek on a horror movie podcast and we were pretty divided mm-hmm. on it. Um I gave it a 3 and said to avoid it. Jason gave it a 7 and called it a rental. 
Where would you put Willow Creek on your list, boss? Willow Creek? Yeah, I don't know. Personally, I liked it. Um, there's some things about it I didn't care for, but I don't know. Six and a half, seven, I'm thinking. And uh, I actually like the weird ending. <laughs> I think that's a lot of what's going to do it for you in that movie. Is that uh, uh, pretty weird? I, I like uh. the weird ending. And I, there's a lot of things that I dislike about it up to that moment. But what um, – what? Okay, so talking about weird endings, I think it's impossible to not discuss Lost Coast tapes. Which well, right. before before we go there, though, just one more yeah. thing on Willow Creek because I've actually thought about that film since we reviewed it a couple months ago. And one thing I will say for that movie is it doesn't deliver the goods like you want it to, right? I mean, right. Like, we can all yeah. acknowledge this, but at the same time, Bigfoot doesn't. Bigfoot himself has not shown up for us <laughs> to the point. That's, I mean, he, yes. he's mysterious. I mean, we oh, do brother. not see Bigfoot. You know, we don't really get a good glimpse of him ever. And, um, you know, that film kind of follows suit with that. And I guess in in some ways it makes it a little bit more legitimate to me. That as is thought the about worst. It. That is the worst defense <laughs> of a movie I've ever heard. How is that bad? I mean, I, I right. I so there's two two major problems I have with it. One that it's basically just a rehashing of major plot points from the Blair Witch Project. That bugs me really bad. How how blatantly it kind of rips off those <laughs> those markers from the Blair Witch Project. But even more than the Blair Witch Project, have you guys heard of Bigfoot County from 2012? I've heard of it. I have not seen that yeah, one. It is it. essentially the exact same movie mm. as Willow Creek. It takes place in the same place. Same like run into the locals. You shouldn't be here. Do you have a camera? Like it's almost the exact same movie. Like, yeah, but that doesn't mean they ripped it off. They mean I would be movie. shocked. I would be shocked if he didn't rip it off. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Bobcat's an artist to me, and I I I watch think he Bigfoot does his... County and get back to me then. Okay, cause... well, even if it's exactly the same, it's like well. I mean, that's kind of the conventions of a Bigfoot movie. They're out in the woods. You know they. You know what I mean? That's what happens with Bigfoot. Yeah, but it's they not go like to Willow, they go to Willow Creek and they meet the locals. Right. And they go into the woods. And the, that's what you would do. It's not like you'd run into Bigfoot at a restaurant ever. I mean, that's not on the list. So, you know, it's, it's those are kind of the story beats of a, a Bigfoot saga, right? It's a found footage movie and it came out two, two years prior. It's like almost the exact same movie remade. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, don't give them any points for originality. <laughs> I never said that, but I mean, I don't know. The, the tent scene is very brave, I will say. It is. That's the, maybe the best thing the movie has going for That it. is like bold, it. and it got to me. I was really affected, and they held me spellbound for a long time. Now, is that a movie I'll revisit? Probably never, but, right. but the first time through, it's kind of a ride. Well, our listeners have heard us argue about this at length, so we've already got, I think we did this on this podcast and on Movie Podcast Weekly. We talked about Willow Creek. but um, Okay, so in terms of terrible Bigfoot movie endings, what's the deal with Lost Coast Tapes? What did you find out from the director when you interviewed him? Because I've got to know. Should we give well, a spoiler um, warning? Are we going to go into spoilers here? Minor spoilers for the Lost Coast Tapes. Minor? Because <laughs> if we're going to talk about the ending, it's going to be major. So. Yeah, it's kind of... here's and It's funny you defended Willow Creek that way, because that's kind of how I looked at uh, Lost Coast tapes. I liked the fact that it was you didn't see a lot. But at the same time, no matter what, you always want to see Bigfoot, so you're always a little disappointed when that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. The way this movie ending 
is is cool to me. I like it, but it, yeah, it's um, how do you do it without spoiling it? That is a tough thing. Well, but yep. he, he the director never spilled the beans on exactly what happened. But I have my own theory uh, on maybe, what it is. Maybe we should give a spoiler warning here and talk about the ending because. I've actually, I lost my mind when I first saw that. I was so angry and I hated this movie. <laughs> I went nuts on this movie. But since that, I have thought about it and I kind of, I don't know, I've kind of changed. I have a couple different theories. Maybe it would be interesting to the listeners if we discuss those theories. Okay, let's really briefly, let's talk about the Lost Coast tapes. It's a, it's a found footage film. Mm-hmm. It's again, a documentary crew leaving from Los Angeles to go up and investigate um, some kind of Bigfoot sightings they've heard about on this ranch, right? Is that if I if I said that well? Mm-hmm. And so they head up into the woods, and and this is the first. I want to pay a major compliment up front because I think, in ter- especially in terms of Bigfoot movies, but as found footage movies go, I'm always a little annoyed by the 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 excuses they give as to why the cameras are rolling, you know, it's right. that, that, that usually plays a big part in whether I enjoy the movie or not. If, if that is um, done well. And I think Lost Coast Tapes does it really well. And I really buy this yes. group of people as a film crew. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. They, it feels very familiar as someone who makes documentaries. Like these feel like real production people from LA going to go make a, a documentary. So I, Play, paid a ton of compliments there, and I yes. and they go into the woods. They meet this guy who owns the ranch. They kind of get separated, and I think as all of that stuff plays out, I love the movie. Yeah, um, I, I feel like it succeeds in a lot of the places where I didn't think Willow Creek succeeded. But then I would say the last fifteen minutes are just the worst, and not only right. because of what you don't see but also because of what you do see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let me just chime in too. Like the begin the first the first as you said up to the last 15 minutes I'm like here it is. I've waited so long for a great Bigfoot movie and this is it. And then we got to the ending and I was just my hopes were dashed and shattered. But yeah, the beginning is so well done that I was literally like I was so excited in anticipation. I was sitting up on the edge of my seat as they were preparing to leave and go, you know, off and film this. Mm-hmm. Right in the beginning of the film, the, the opening to this is tremendous to me. But what did you think, boss, at the beginning part? Of the whole movie? Yeah, like the, yeah, yeah, up, up, up until oh, the I was ending. into it. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I do like this movie, um, ending and all. I, I like it for what it is. And uh, I think it was it's one of the best Bigfoot movies you're ever going to see, I think, even though is it a Bigfoot? I don't know. Um, I will say that I was told they were going to make a sequel and <laughs> they hoped to iron out. They had some issues with the uh, Sasquatch technology they were using. <laughs> That's why they had to get creative with the way they did this movie. Yeah, um, but the end is is controversial definitely um it's it's one of those things people either love it or hate it (laughs) well we don't usually talk spoilers on here but i think it would be an interesting conversation to talk our theories on it so um let's just give a big giant spoiler warning right here for bigfoot the lost coast tapes from 2012 and josh (laughs) i I tell you what we'll do to bring people back in in case they want to fast forward to this part we'll play some um music or something when we're done talking about spoilers okay okay (laughs) When I first saw this, you guys, what I interpreted or thought happened was 
this wasn't a Bigfoot movie at all. This was the biggest bait and switch ever. It's not about Bigfoot. It's an alien movie. And I thought that yeah. what people had interpreted as being Bigfoot was actually just aliens. And so you get to the end and it's like, this wasn't Bigfoot at all. And I was just furious about that, you guys. I didn't interpret it as um, Bigfoot is an alien. It was just, no. yeah, I mean, and I've heard other people say that kind of thing. Well, but, it's basically the same thing, isn't it? Just, no. Well, no, it's actually different. Okay, what what do you what I agree with you. That's exactly the reaction I have, but what are how would you distinguish those two ideas? Okay. Bigfoot, this furry beast from outer space. <laughs> like if the furry beast came on a ship from outer space and runs around in our woods, okay, yeah. that's different from we think there's a Bigfoot out there, but no, it's actually aliens visiting that don't look gotcha. like Bigfoot. And, and and the latter, what I just described, is what I interpreted happening in this film. There's no Bigfoot at all. It's just freaking aliens, like in the classic sense. But I've heard people say that, you know, it's like a furry guy on a spaceship who comes down, and I think that's totally wrong, personally. But Oh, I thought that was more the former than the latter, actually. I thought that they're saying that what we've always interpreted to be Bigfoot, or at least in this area were these giant hairy monsters because we see its feet. It is the, it is the typical Bigfoot feet, but then we're also led to believe that they're aliens on a spaceship. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. That's a good argument. It would just be, and forgive me because this is very close to boss's theory here of maybe it's a, some kind of a, a different kind of a being. Well, yeah. 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 I mean, this is, I, I think actually there was Sasquatches supposed to be in the movie. Cause he told, he told me they were, they had a Sasquatch. It didn't. It just malfunctioned. It couldn't use it, so they had to do the kind of Jaws thing, only more or less, I should say, and not show any any at all or if at all. And um, the thing at the end, though, now when I watched it, I definitely thought it was some sort of alien because you have that light. Um, mm -hmm. The foot is furry, but it is different. I think um, it's shaped a little different than what I would expect a Bigfoot to look like, and. I when I told him that I thought it was an alien. This was off the record, of course, at the time. But um, he he told me no, it's not an alien. It's something else. And to my, in my mind, thinking about what he told me, it, I think it's almost like a um, maybe a demonic entity or maybe a something like that. I don't know, <laughs> but it's freaky and it can be disappointing. Like if you're wanting to see a Bigfoot, yeah, I mean bait and switch. That's probably a good way to put it. Um, but I personally like it. I like the movie, and I hope they do make a sequel. Um, I don't know for sure they will, but I would watch a sequel just to find out what the heck that what was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. But I am annoyed by the, what we've seen. So well, much. well, I mean, and I should have said this prior to getting into spoilers, but what I was the the reason my heart has softened somewhat. It's like if you were going into this film to watch a Bigfoot type of movie. But not necessarily to see Bigfoot, but just to see something that's freaky and scary. Then if you think about this with an open mind and you kind of receive it as a different sort of Bigfoot movie where they take a totally different approach and not doing what you described, Josh, where they're just ripping off you know, each other's same movie over and over again. Then I guess in that way, I guess it would be interesting if... Um, what we've been thinking is a Sasquatch is actually an alien, but I mean, I just, the fact that Bigfoot is in the title, for me, it was egregious that we didn't really get Bigfoot. And I will say that was, uh, that was the marketing boys that threw the, because it was just called the Lost Coast Tapes. 
Oh, right. see. And they, they uh, after Mark, you know, after they were getting ready to put it to market, they made him put Bigfoot in the title. Mm. But poor Co- Corey. In defense Grant. of Corey Grant, yes, yeah. I will say that he did not have that in the title. Yeah. I just wish, I wish that we could redo that that ending and have an actual Bigfoot. Even if they wait till the very end and we see Bigfoot and he gets violent and kills people, I mean, then I would be just so pleased. This is where the story plays, a world on which we seldom gaze. Age from the book of yesterday, birds and beasts and wind and water. Here beneath the bright blue sky, no man smoke blinds the eagle's eye. Things that crawl or swim or fly, eat and breed and live and die. Have any of you guys seen, it's called Holler Creek Canyon? No. That sounds familiar, but I just, I, I can't say for sure I've seen it. Okay. I haven't seen that one either. That's it's one, of the, one of the ones on my list that I still need to get to. And then there's one this year called Bigfoot Wars that looks kind of interesting. I, ha- I own the movie. I have a lot right. of information about that movie, actually. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Um, okay, Bigfoot Wars is – okay, they bought the rights to the name Bigfoot Wars. It is based on – very uh, lightly based on, I might add – a series of books by an author named Eric S. Brown, who I've actually gotten to be pretty good friends with. I've had him on my show several times. And the the idea behind his books is awesome. I mean, that guy has such great ideas. Now, the movie itself, I think the only thing it has in common with the series of books <laughs> is there's a sheriff in it, and there's multiple Bigfoots that attack uh, a town. Now, other than that, it is nothing like the books. The books are way more creative. Um, you guys would... I, I would love to hear you guys review this movie because it's not a top-notch movie by any means. Um, I found it amusing and had fun with it for what it was, and I know uh, Kelly did too. We both we both had fun with it. But it, fans of the books were, oh, they were steaming when they saw this movie um, for a number of reasons. I think, I think one of the main reasons is it doesn't really stick to the idea of the – the books, which is way more, the scope is way bigger. And I knew it wouldn't have that scope. I just knew they couldn't pull it off with a low-budget Bigfoot movie, you know. Um, so, and they had to have a protagonist, which in the books there really isn't. Everyone gets killed <laughs> in the books. The people wow. are toast. But um, it basically, is, this town gets attacked by Bigfoots. Uh, the, the, I think it's the sheriff's daughter. Big feet. Big feet, whatever. <laughs> they say Bigfoot's right. on finding Bigfoot. I'm just joking. Sorry. I, yeah, I know. I, I that's an awkward word. Sasquatch is sounds better, doesn't it? Um, and <laughs> yes. and they and they are besieged by these violent killer Sasquatches, and they're you know they're okay looking Sasquatches in this movie. They're not too bad. Um, there's horrible editing mistakes in this movie, <laughs> for one thing. Um, but I had fun with uh, C. Thomas Howell. His character was kind of funny. Um, had the worst tattoos in cinematic history, <laughs> and uh, it, you know it has it's violent and it's you know you see Sasquatches in it for sure, but it's a B, definitely a B movie and it's you know it is what it is. But um, I think the director I, who I've also talked to, uh, I had him on one time, and I I actually like his uh, Boggy Creek: The Legend is Real. I think's the name of the movie. I I liked that one a lot better than Bigfoot Wars, but Bigfoot Wars is fun. And it's just, it's a B movie though, all the way, which most, if you watch very many Bigfoot movies, I mean, 
that's pretty much what you're looking at most of the time. Well, well, that was my next question for you guys. Why do you think until recently, which we'll get to that later, but why do you think that just there have not been, I mean, there are a lot of bad Bigfoot movies. Why? Why can't we get this right? I think because nobody with money wants to invest in it. And so you're getting a lot of people who are passionate about it, making their, you know, trying to go out and make their own movies or people or like transversely people who think they can capitalize on Bigfoot going out and making movies and they don't actually care much about Mm. the subject matter. So I I think you're getting, you're getting a lot of movies that are just made for quick buck and movies that are made by passionate people, but with no funding. And so Josh, what um, if you and I make a Bigfoot movie? I don't think we need to anymore because I think someone has already made an incredible Bigfoot movie finally because I think (laughs) the Bigfoot movie I've always been waiting for was finally made, which I I mean, I do actually have a abominable snowman movie in me somewhere. So I want to get around to that, but I'm I'm really happy with, you know, a couple efforts, but especially one that we're going to be getting to Mm -hmm. in a minute. You see anything? Still haven't found any bodies. Let's check out the woods. Not many people go up there nowadays. He and his wife were involved in that climbing accident. Now he's seeing monsters. I mean, it's like a loud boom, like something big fell. But the lines are down. There is something out there. Let's go ahead and talk about one that I think for me is a bit of a misfire. And it's one that got a lot of love from the horror community when it came out. Um, Excuse me. um, I mentioned earlier Abominable um, by Ryan Schifrin Mm. as the director. And this is a movie that has uh, Matt McCoy as kind of your main character and some other big, quote unquote, big names. uh, Paul Gleason, Lance Hendrickson, Rex Lynn, who else? Jeffrey Combs uh, kind of pop in, uh, D. Wallace. But really, it's most the whole movie is mostly just Matt McCoy and some really terrible like model actresses. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the D. Wallace, right? Yeah, yeah, she's in it. Is it? Yeah. Is it okay? Because yeah. I, I have to confess right up front here, <laughs> I, I only got part of this watched. I didn't get it all watched in time, so I'm not giving no, a rating. She's in the she's in the opening scene. Is She's the yeah, wow. and that's her that's her only scene. Um it's the the first scene starts out with Rex Lynn and D. Wallace, and then they're not well, Rex Lynn shows up again later, but D. Wallace never shows up again in the movie. Okay, well That's okay, you you missed her. That's fine. I that's did. Fine. I'm mad now. <laughs> I'll I'll I'll, get, I'll I'll tell you it's not her best moment. <laughs> well just and really this is all I have to say about this because I only got into like um I don't know, the first 15 minutes, and then I ran out of time. But basically, this looks like, to me, it looks like a TV movie, big time. Like, yeah. th- there's a look to it that's mm-hmm. very artificial and chintzy. And, and I'm not just saying low budget, but I mean like a television production from the 80s. Well, I think I think there are a few things going on there. I think one is you're dealing with you are, because you're dealing with the budget you're dealing with. You're stuck in a location where they clearly didn't have a lot of money for production design, and so you're kind of stuck with some pretty bland settings that you wouldn't normally have in a, in a larger budget film, mm-hmm. uh, but that you do get on TV a lot. 
Um, I think Matt McCoy, as much as I as I do like him in certain movies, he's not a com- uh, totally compelling lead for a film or convincing. A- yeah, yeah. I do like him. I mean, I've seen him in like LA Confidential, for instance. He's great in that movie. But um, this, yeah, he just um, doesn't quite pull this off. And th- here's the big disappointment for me with this film. And it's funny because I had actually even misremembered this. This was I, I'm a, again a big Abominable Snowman fan. This movie comes out. It's called Abominable. Mm. The poster is awesome. I mean, it's yes. it's done by Drew Struzan. Um, this is maybe you know the top three Bigfoot movie posters I've seen. I think um, Boggy Creek is up there. I think um, Lost Coast Apes is actually pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think um, exists is pretty cool, mm-hmm. uh, but the Willow Creek uh, poster by Alex Pardee is probably my all-time favorite Bigfoot poster. And again, the Sasquatch. So, the, actually, a lot of these movies are be- have better posters than they have movies. But um, and you mean with the the <laughs> oh, yeah. Willow Creek one? You mean not the red one, but the one with the actual Bigfoot figure with the yeah, ma- yeah, made up of screaming souls or whatever it yeah, is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It is seriously one of the coolest posters I've ever seen. Uh, but this is up there. This is Drew Struzan, you know, the guy who did Indiana Jones and Back to the Future and, and the Star Wars movies. And, um, you know, he just knocked it out of the park. This looks incredible um, from the poster. And so I was super, super excited to see this movie. And I thought it was a really big disappointment, and I was surprised they got so much love from the horror community. I mean, people were fawning all over this movie and calling the director the the future of horror. I think Bloody Disgusting or somebody said that he was the future of horror, and I thought, really? Like, her? <laughs> to quote the rest of the film? But, um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Ryan is a, is a male, but like, <laughs> that's funny. Um, I, I get it now. So I don't know. I mean, I, uh, this movie was a big disappointment. I, I revisited it for the podcast. And one thing that really stood out to me, it's funny because we were talking about too many cooks, that weird <laughs> music video. Yes. I think the Sasquatch in this looks exactly like the killer in too many cooks, the William <laughs> Tarkarski. I think it may have been modeled on him. I, I'm, I would be shocked to find out it wasn't modeled after him because the faces look almost identical, which I thought was weird. Oh, but that's hilarious. <laughs> But I don't know. I mean, I think at first this Bigfoot costume is work, working, but then the more you see it, the worse it gets. It's got a couple nice moments. Um, but yeah, I think mostly the movie just suffers from really bad kind of blocking. You know, like I think the, the tension it tries to create doesn't really work. And, um, and that's one of its biggest failures as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boss, are you familiar with this one? Abominable? Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's been a little while since I saw it, but... Um... And again, I'm looking at it in the context of uh, Bigfoot movies, <laughs> and it is one of your better Bigfoot movies, I think. But it's it, it is, yeah, it, it, yeah. Um, and it's funny you mentioned uh, the Bigfoot being a lookalike. Uh, to me, he looks like Jack Elam. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's funny. That's just me. Yeah. yeah. But at least it has brutality. Uh, you do have uh, Tiffany Shepis in this movie. Good looking. A lot of good looking ladies in it. They're, they're dingy, you know, bimbo characters, really. For the most part, but um, it was kind of different. You had the you know guy in a wheelchair as one of the main characters, and um, I, I don't know. It, it, I enjoyed it well enough, but it, I could see what you mean. I mean, if you look at it in, in context of horror movies in general, or or movies in general, it's not going to hold up. I mean, it's low budget, and it yeah, does look, it does have that cheap look. 
the idea I think is really cool, which mm-hmm. is basically, I mean, that guy in the wheelchair, they're basically taking rear window and they're moving it to this monster movie and which I think is genius. I love the idea Good. that you've got this guy in a wheelchair um, and he can't do anything about it. And he's witnessing essentially a slasher movie taking place outside, but the slasher in this instance happens to be a Sasquatch. Right. There's a lot of cool elements to this movie, and I think it has a, all the fixins to be a mm. great Bigfoot movie. But mm, it's a good premise, yeah. yeah. The execution is so poor, in my opinion. Right. Hmm. Well, are we done talking <laughs> about Abominable? I guess so. Yeah, I'm remembering parts of it. I know it has some. Doesn't it have some limb rips and some things like that going on? Oh my on gosh, in there, there is. I will sure. say, yeah, there is one incredible moment. Um, of special effects, gore, makeup, where uh, a Sasquatch bites some bites into someone's head, and not only is that oh, shot, yes. <laughs> yes. the shot is cool, but also the act, like the the acting and the way that ends, is pretty cool. But there's a lot of contrivances in this plot. Unfortunately, um, you know, this first time director can't quite compete with Hitchcock in terms of pulling off the tension of this rear window kind of situation. And um, I don't know. It's, it was just a disappointment when I, I hate to tear anybody apart. Who's an independent filmmaker, but it's um, it's yeah, it just didn't work for me ultimately, but do we, should we rate this then? Or have, we, have you guys not seen it recently enough or Jason hasn't seen the whole thing? Should we, I, I can't, rate it, but, but I'd like to hear your rating and bosses if he still wants to. Sure. I'll throw one out there anyway. <laughs> um, I, I'd, I'd go with a six and a half anyway. I enjoyed it. <laughs> I had fun. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you gotta, go. Josh, you got to understand, Boss Butcher loves some really awful cinema. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm really, this is the thing. I'm embracing, uh, the, I don't really look at myself as a critic, obviously. I, I My ratings are completely subjective. I can do crit, critic-type ratings. I've done it before in the past on Grizzly Zone, you know. When I'm looking at it with this set of parameters and things like that, mm-hmm. but I do it purely on how much did I enjoy it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I admire that. that. I think that's a legitimate form of critique, yes. and definitely one, definitely one that you know the uh, the fans appreciate as well because that's how a lot of people watch movies. But. So, so you tell people to rent Abominable, then, boss. Um, yeah, for most people. <laughs> yeah, okay. if you're like me, I mean, I actually do own the movie. Um, but I have all kinds of Bigfoot movies, and I got to throw it out there: I own Blood Gnome. <laughs> I know you like that one. I wow! Love like <laughs> I love the idea of Blood Gnome. I know it's not the best movie. I mean, it's there's parts of it where it's like, yeah, but I like the little demonoid guys and the idea of the movie. But anyway, sorry, I had to throw it out there. No, that's great. It's like uh, Land of the Creeps with Halloween, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, I I think it's kind of unfortunate that Matt McCoy does a poor job in this movie, and the writing is really the worst. I don't know. There are a lot of things that are problems. The the writing and the cinematography and the performances are the worst three things. (laughs) 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 But there are a few moments. I mean, Rex Lynn is in this movie briefly, and he's awesome. And I feel like if he had been a protagonist, it could have been really cool. Lance Hendrickson has an amazing scene in this movie. I love his scene in this movie. Um, it's that scene also has Rex Lynn and Jeffrey Combs and Jeffrey Combs is really great as an actor. And I wish that they had just given these guys more to do in the movie. Ultimately the plot contrivances though, that happen are pretty, pretty rough. And ultimately the monster, even though you get to see it a lot, it doesn't really hold up to scrutiny very well. 
unfortunately. So <laughs> I give the movie like a three. I still kind of say it's a low priority rental for people who are <laughs> really into Bigfoot. Cause I honestly, and I almost feel this way about lost or about, um, Willow Creek, even though I gave it a three instead of void, it's still one of the best Bigfoot movies. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think abominable is one of the top five Bigfoot movies. And so, you know, I'm giving it a three, but if you love Bigfoot, you know, definitely this is one to put on your list to see, unfortunately. All right. Well, I mean, have we, have we covered all the big ones? Have we covered everything we want to discuss in terms of these films? Should we hop into our, our feature review here of, of exists or are there any other uh, Bigfoot movies we want to discuss? Boss? Oh boy, there are. I got to go back to the list. <laughs> okay, here, here's I don't want to tie you up forever. Here are a couple uh, that I haven't seen that I, let me just throw out there and see if you've seen them. Sun-dried, okay. big, sun-dried Bigfoot is one I've heard good things about. Have you seen uh, that? Is that, uh, that sounds like, is that the documentary one? Or, I, I mean, a literal documentary? Oh no. I'm, I don't think so. I don't know. There's one, and I can't remember the title of it. It was a literal documentary on people that are into Sasquatch, and this guy goes around and goes with them and documents them looking for Bigfoot and telling their stories. And that it was a really good film. Uh, there's uh, one that's called Not Your Typical Bigfoot Movie. I've seen that. That's it. That's the one. That is inc- I like that one. Yeah, Sun Dried. Maybe I haven't seen that one. I don't know. Yeah, I highly recommend um, Not Your Typical Bigfoot Movie. It's put out by Oscilloscope, who are one of my favorite um, movie label distributors, but it's, it is kind of slow and, and, and I think it borderlines making fun of the people. So it's, it's kind of sad, I guess, in that way. But, um, but it, it, yeah, again, it, it is a, it's a great story. It's really a human story more than it is a story about Bigfoot. One great documentary. If we're going to talk about documentaries, the one I would, well, I actually like the finding Bigfoot TV show. I think it's kind of fun, but yeah. there's a, there's a great doc called Shooting Bigfoot um, that kind of deals with those hoaxers that Jason was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a must-see, Shooting Bigfoot. I think it's – I mean it's actually a great documentary for anybody who's slightly interested in Bigfoot. I think you should check it out. Okay. Yeah, so that one is Shooting Bigfoot, and that's just – it's strictly a documentary. And then yes. same thing with not your typical Bigfoot movie. Those are yes. both documentaries. They're not necessarily horror related, right? Just for clarification. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Um, especially not your typical Bigfoot movie. That's really just about, I mean, there, there are some moments in shooting Bigfoot, but not in the other one. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. There's also a short film that I really, really like before I saw exists. It was my favorite Bigfoot movie. <laughs> um, it's a it's a little short from 2012 called Eagle Walk. Oh, nice! Have you guys seen that? No. We mm. should put a link to it. It's just online. It's on Vimeo and YouTube, and um, people should watch it if you if you like Bigfoot movies. It's like half an hour long. It's really good. It's set at a summer camp. It has that kind of like. Um, you know, Friday the 13th kind of vibe. Um, you know, it feels like it's a period piece and nice. it's really awesome. Um, basically you've got this, uh, Sasquatch who starts wreaking havoc on these kids at the summer camp because they, uh, destroyed a totem pole, like a sacred totem pole, (laughs) (laughs) but it's really great. It's really, really good. Um, so anyway, I'd recommend people check that it's free. So you should definitely watch it. Bro, your uncle has a cabin out here. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Is that it? Yeah. 
Seriously. Trust me, guys, it looks a lot better in the daylight. You gotta be kidding me, man. Yeah. I went out and I bought one of these bad boys. We're gonna have the best YouTube video ever. Looks like a little love walk going on. I shouldn't be shooting this. What the hell was that? There's something over there. And then the last thing I wanted to discuss, you know, just briefly as we jump into Exists, you know, I think Exists borrows from a lot of these movies, but I feel like unlike something like Willow Creek, which I don't don't appreciate as much, I feel like this really takes elements that have been around in other Bigfoot movies and it really capitalizes on them and makes into makes them into a really great and again, maybe the first really great Bigfoot movie. I think um uh, the ending of this movie, it seems, draws from uh, Legend of Boggy Creek. I think it also, you know, you could compare it a little bit to Abominable. Um, I think the beginning, or at least the the premise behind the movie, I think seems to be closely tied to Half Human, which is a Japanese Bigfoot slash Abominable Snowman slash some kind of wild man creature movie. And so I think, you know, a lot of these kind of plot elements have been around before, but um, I don't know. I, I think Eduardo Sanchez just knocked it out of the park with Exists, and um, it, that's a movie I'm really excited to talk with you guys about because I I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, I'll just say right here, Exists is the Bigfoot movie I've been waiting for, and I think you said that too, Josh. I had it written in my notes. I've, I've been dying to talk about this movie because it delivers Bigfoot. You get to see Bigfoot and the reasons why we think he's scary on a, you know, on this like primitive, not primitive, but this really visceral type of level. It's like, why is Bigfoot threatening? Why would it be freaky to see Bigfoot? Well, because it's this giant freaking ape looking thing that looks like it's going to stomp your guts out and kill you. And, and that's what I love about this movie is how aggressive it is. Uh, what do you think, boss? Do you like exists as well? Oh, very much so. I, I've definitely said it's the best Bigfoot movie out there. <laughs> That's the way I feel about it. It's the, the creme de la creme in my book, but I love it. Yeah, I, I had very high expectations after I saw the trailer, and I still was blown away by it, and I really, really, really like it. Yeah, I mean, I think it exceeded all of my expectations you know, again, going back to Lost Coast Tapes, I do like the premise that starts that movie a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I think this is one that was a little bit hard for me to buy into the cameras rolling in this one. I, I like the, the idea that you've got these guys who are kind of into some extreme sports. You basically, so I mean, we should set this movie up basically. So, this group of friends are going to go into go to this cabin and spend the weekend at this cabin, and at least one of the, or two of the guys are into kind of like extreme mountain biking or, or BMX type of biking where they do some pretty gnarly jumps. And you get to see that actually in the movie as well. And they're going to stay at their uncle's cabin, but the, the background of the story is, is they don't tell the uncle that they're going there and they steal the keys. And the uncle has warned them against going out to this cabin before, presumably because there's a Bigfoot problem there. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and as our co-host on Movie Podcast Weekly, Andy would say, hilarity ensues and it, it gets pretty gnarly. And um, I, I love where it goes, but I, I mean, my least favorite thing about the movie the only thing I would take off any points for would be I don't love these kids and I don't necessarily buy into 
the found footage premise as much as something like Lost Coast Tapes. But that's a small complaint for me because I think everything it does after that is brilliant. Agreed. And in fact, um, in terms of like the setting up of it, the premise, like the opening title cards say uh, since 1967, there have been over 3000 Bigfoot encounters in the U.S. alone. Experts agree the creatures are only violent if provoked. And the fact that these kids provoke <laughs> to Bigfoot yeah. is just yeah. a tremendous setup for a film. I, I love it that he is very provoked. Right. So, I mean, that's tremendous. Yeah. And again, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I would guess maybe he got that idea from Half Human because Half Human has some pretty similar plot elements when it comes to that. Mm. But, but yeah, I mean, and I, I again, I think you know we talked about premise versus payoff. I feel like the execution on this is super high. Um, mm-hmm. and not not just the creature effects, but the way the big Bigfoot um, acts. Um, it's not only consistent with kind of the the Bigfoot fandom culture and, you know, this cryptozoological um, findings that are apparently out there, but it's also just great for a horror movie. And um, this movie gets really intense and I think pretty scary. Yes, it does. It does. Go ahead, boss. What do you, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm with you hundred percent on what you're saying. Um, I, you know, I thought the cameras that didn't bother me as much, but I could see why it would with you, you know what I mean? And, uh, or anybody for that matter. Uh, but I think it was just awesome. I, I was, like I said, I had a very high expectations to, going into it. And uh, it, it blew the doors off anything I thought they were going to pull off. Um, I will say when I saw this, it was at the uh, Mile High Horror Film Festival. It's a horror crowd. And there's a there's a jump scare in this movie that I won't give away. But I literally heard somebody scream in the theater when that happened. <laughs> and uh, there's yes. just some really cool shots uh the uh, the effects are awesome. The creature is amazing. Amazing. And there's an awesome uh, one that leaps to mind is an awesome compound fracture effect that was really really d- well done. The one scene that Kelly and I uh, talked about it before we, that it was uh, the part where he's on a mountain bike just trying to outrun this Bigfoot, and that was amazing. I, I love that scene. That was super cool, and it's it's kind yeah. of similar to um, Eduardo Sanchez did a, a little section of VHS 2 called The Ride in the Park. Exactly. And that, yeah, the styles are so similar, and I thought that was kind of cool to see. He, that was a zombie short film. I liked seeing that taken into the, the world of Bigfoot, and I thought, man, what a cool idea for, yeah. for a Bigfoot movie. It's done so well. And again, like the found footage, I mean, you know, found footage, they're not the first to do this with the GoPros and stuff, but it's so, this is what I'll say about this usage of it. It's very organic, um, having these GoPros where they are. And, we're, and I, we're, again, we're kind of used to seeing that in our day and age with guys on, you know, mountain bikes and BMX bikes doing crazy stunts. And and so I like that you're, you're in a situation you're kind of used to seeing on YouTube or whatever, but then there happens to be this insane Bigfoot in the shot as well. And uh, yeah, they just pulled that off really, really well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, of course, one of my favorite elements is that this film at some point uh, turns into a siege narrative, which I always love. I mean, you got to yeah. have a siege narrative, especially in a, a cabin in the woods type of movie. And um, that, that's just, I was actually scared during that portion. I I was uh, I remember I was watching this sitting in my daughter's room and because she was asleep and I was sitting there and I got really nervous for like the two of us. I felt like I needed to like 
watch over her because this <laughs> this Bigfoot is just coming after because it's ferocious in this movie and um yeah. and man that's effective and if a siege narrative is working I feel physically afraid and I want to like lock myself inside a closet. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was super effective and especially um, comparing it to abominable, which has some kind of similar elements. You've got, you know, uh, a Bigfoot attacking a cabin and, you know, and again, like Boggy mm-hmm. Creek also has that kind of feel toward the end. Um, man, this is just, I just feel like everything with this movie is just taken to the best possible um, conclusion and, and again, like something like Willow Creek, like every frustration I had when watching Willow Creek, this movie is the exact opposite of that. It takes everything that that movie doesn't give you and it gives it to you in spades mm-hmm. and it does it really, really well. Like, you know, at first you're like, at least I was, my reaction was, oh no, they're going to show the monster too much. And then, but they kept showing it and they kept showing it and it was still good. And then it, at the end of the movie, not to give any spoilers, but you get some really clear shots of this creature mm-hmm. and it completely holds up as though this is a real creature. I mean, it looks insanely good. It does look good. I, I'm with you 100%. And one of the most effective parts of this, and we, we talked to, you'll hear us talk to Eduardo Sanchez about it shortly, is the sound design, like the the wailing and the sounds of the Bigfoot off in the distance kind of make my hair stand up on end. Like, it, it's really yeah. chilling. It is. <laughs> it's incredible. And one other positive I had from it was it's not predictable. Like, I was thinking, you know how in a movie you're always thinking, oh, this guy will probably live through it, this person won't, and when they're going to die and all that. And it, it broke a few rules there, I think, you know. <laughs> Did some good good uh, things with that. Yes. Um, I only had one complaint, and it was just a tongue-in-cheek complaint because they were actually in attendance at this thing, and afterwards we talked to them. And uh, um, I was talking to Greg Hill, who's, I believe, executive producer on it. He's one of the producers anyway. And I said, the only thing is, is a lot of Bigfoot movies, it, there's a scene where someone's out in the outhouse or taking a crap in the woods, and the Bigfoot attacks. And I was, I kept thinking they'd have it in there, and that was the only thing. And they, uh, they were... Uh, kidding me about that <laughs> they uh, rolled their eyes and like oh i can't believe we forgot the dump scene man oh man you know? but uh that was the only complaint i had <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious that is great that is great boss but he, he wanted that that's I, I yeah that i was you. looking forward to that <laughs> but, where's the outhouse scene man <laughs> yep. blew it well one of my um complaints with this was uh it was kind of a, a found footage nitpick, which, you know, we, we interviewed the director earlier today, which you'll hear later. But um, so so he kind of shot holes in this. But to me, it was I was under the impression upon seeing the film that this was supposed to be uh, a found footage convention here. And so you've got first of all, it's like, OK, well, where did this editing come in or is this supposedly the raw footage? And then secondly, there is soundtrack music. You get this, um, <laughs> you know, this right. non-diegetic, you know, music that's slipping in there that that wouldn't actually be there, and it's like mood music, and it's like, okay, who did all that stuff? But well, he, I think the movie allows for that plot-wise. As far as like even without giving any spoilers, right, but. right. But I don't know. I was just the whole time I'm sitting there thinking. Okay, well, who edited this? Because, for example, at the beginning of Cloverfield, we get a context, which is 
okay, this is government surveillance video. This was found and this is what happened at this incident, right? I like to have some kind of context. Like in that movie, Afflicted, that was supposed to be a travel log, right? You know, I I like when that's set up and it's like, well, who edited this together? Like along the way, I'm like, okay, um, that music's creepy or cool, but like, where's that coming from? You know, that gets distracting for me because I'm actually one of these people who loves found footage and I try to go with the convention. I try to buy into it and I try to think, okay, this footage, I don't believe it, you know, but I try to think to myself, okay, this is found. This really happened to these people. I try to delude myself into it. So I'm like caught in the spell of the movie. But then if stuff like that happens, it's like, oh, okay, well, but you know, that was a minor nitpick for me. I mean, it's like, like you said, most people probably wouldn't notice it. And again, it's a Bigfoot movie I've been waiting for. Now, here's what I wanted to say and ask you guys. Compared to other Bigfoot movies, yeah, that blows them out of the water, but this Bigfoot is very bombastic, is the best, (laughs) it's probably the most accurate word I can say, and he's really (laughs) aggressive and um, just intense, and on one hand, I, I do love that, but what we know about the creature itself, which is, he's very hidden a lot of the times, and mysterious and so forth, did, did you feel like, um, they were ever giving you too much in this film or did you just love the ride? I was so grateful for it because it's something that we've never had before. And so to watch a hundred Bigfoot movies, you know, I mean, I've probably seen 20 Bigfoot movies and to rarely get a glimpse at the creature. And when you do, they rarely hold up to get a movie where you see it a lot and it completely holds up is a gift, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved it. I, I didn't think it was too much at all. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, See, for me, it's it's just, it's fun. I think it is scary and suspenseful, but I, I, I categorize this as like a fun horror movie because it's kind of, it's kind of freaky, but it's also like fun. It's not like... Right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yep. and, and I, I get that, um, you know, not that the, the Bigfoot attacking is jovial, but the fact that the movie is so, um, for lack of a better expression, balls out. Which is an air. It's very, it's very energetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 because of that, it makes it feel um, playful. But that sounds too pleasant. I don't know if that's true. You thought you thought it was a (laughs) playful. Well, I'm just saying it's like you said, it's energetic, and so it's like, for example, the the new Evil Dead remake, that Evil Dead movie. That movie was very dark, very hardcore, very serious, just Mm -hmm. (laughs) like grim horror. Whereas this is closer, not exactly like trick-or-treat, you know, Mike Daugherty's trick-or-treat, but it's fun along those lines. Josh, I'm making, I'm trying to make a distinction about a, I don't think a, that's true at a, all, though. a I grim mean, horror movie versus a fun horror movie, and I feel like this is more of a fun, beastly freak type of horror well, movie. I think, I, well, I would think it's a beastly freak movie, but I think um, a movie like Trick-or-Treat has so many winks and nods to the audience, it's supposed to be... There are jokes written into it. I mean, these characters maybe are a little bit funny to each other, but once the horror starts, it doesn't really let up. And I think I, I don't I don't really see that vibe. I mean, it's definitely energetic and it's not oppressive necessarily, but it is unrelenting. And I I don't think that um, I think the thing two things that it has going for it that maybe would lend that feeling are number one that. There's a lot of daylight stuff. Mm-hmm. And so love that. 
and 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 I think that's a brave choice, and I think it works, but maybe it lends to that feeling you're talking about. And then the other thing is, um, I think it's ultimately very grounded in the story that it's telling, and even sympathetic. And so I think that relieves a lot of the tension that's built up um, throughout the film. But I think the horror elements are very real horror elements, especially during the siege narrative portion of the film, and mm-hmm. it's pretty gory. I mean, and it's mm-hmm. pretty balls out, as you said. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, see it as, I don't see it as like a horror comedy. I mean, even Eduardo Sanchez, when he made Altered, that movie's got a lot of comedy in it, and I don't feel that in this movie. Yeah, like that. That's also a very fun I, horror movie, but it's not compared to like it's I, very different from this. I think I know if, and I know what you're saying too. It isn't comedy, no way, but I do feel it is fun. It has a fun factor. Like when you go to a movie and you just, it was all around fun, even if it scared you. There's a fun element to it, not a laughing fun, but just joy that you saw something exactly what you wanted to see. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I would compare it myself kind of to a one of the good Friday the 13th movies or something. It has that, yeah. you know, Jason's scary, but you were coming out of that movie, you're, you, you're buzzed. It's fun, you know, yeah. even though it was scary. Yeah. Um, and I think that might have been what you were saying, huh, Jay? Exactly. I don't know. That's how well I said. Yeah, the, yeah, you explained it a lot better. And um, absolutely. That was very good, actually. And and maybe, yeah, just to try to clarify, too, one aspect to my point is that if there is a spectrum of horror movies, right, like a like a number line, so to speak, something that's grim like The Exorcist or Evil Dead, you know, that remake, that would be way on one end. And then this would be farther toward the other end. And then Altered would be beyond that toward the other end and then beyond that would be trick or treat and then beyond that would be like something horror comedy right you know that's just what i'm saying but it seemed like more toward the fun but i like what boss how he described it i i wanted to try to capture that somehow but i was doing a terrible job so thank you boss you saved me i got it <laughs> maybe it's just because i was thinking it the same way because that's how i felt i I was just so happy with the movie when I came out of it. It's like you don't feel like that every time, you know, very few times really. When you come out of a movie, you're just like, wow, that was it totally was better than I thought it would be. You know? yeah, yeah, like when you and get it, off a roller coaster. Yeah. It's scary. It's energizing. But, yes. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Very I agree with that. Sorry, I, I just took issue with your example of trick or treat because I thought that was maybe the wrong. <laughs> well, I didn't mean it was exactly like trick or treat, but I, I meant that it was closer to that end of the spectrum versus evil dead something that's like martyrs <laughs> yeah yeah martyrs oh, yeah. that's another good example of that that end. so yeah that's what i'm saying because there's like dead serious stuff that's like so grim and bleak you know and this i don't i mean this is scary but i feel like it's not grim and bleak. i mean even blair witch is pretty grim you know and and bleak right. compared to something like this mm-hmm. yeah yeah, absolutely. I, and and but like his his film, I'm glad you brought up Altered because that's a great example. Um, another great film, but that one is a fun kind of horror movie too. And and yeah. that doesn't even though it's freaky and it's kind of scary, it's not scary in the same way that like people consider The Exorcist scary. Right, but I do think this is scarier than Altered. Um, yes, and I, I think again the siege narrative stuff is really really effective. I totally agree. And I think maybe when you're doing dealing with this cryptozoological horror stuff, maybe that you know maybe that is a difference that you're kind of dealing with something that feels more like 
a Cujo, right, than it does something otherworldly or like an unstoppable force like Jason. I think the idea that you're dealing with something that's biological or, you know, or that, you know, we may be perceived to be a living, breathing, real world, even sometimes kind of thing, maybe has an effect on your brain that way as well. Like it feels more like a wild animal is attacking them than an evil force, you know? Yeah. Okay. This is a weird question. And I'm, Forgive me for asking it, but I just, I got to. Are you still, as much as we all, I think we all love this film, I love it. Do you think that there is a better Bigfoot movie out there? Meaning not one that currently exists, but are you waiting to see one come along that tops this? Do you think that there's room enough to top this one? And are you hoping for that? Well, Eduardo has said that he's got two other scripts out there. I'm really, and that the one of them is much more like, as we've been saying bleak than this one. I, I am very excited to see what he does next. Um, but I, um, no, I mean, the short answer is no. I think, um, we're very lucky to have a movie that's this good. That's a Bigfoot movie. We've never had anything that's even approached this level of quality in a Bigfoot movie before. And, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, this is like, if this was it, I could, I could like die happy that we got a great Bigfoot <laughs> movie in my lifetime. I'm serious. I'm I mean, with I, you, yeah. pretty much, yeah. I, I'm the same way with my werewolf. I know I'm a big werewolf fan, but there's so few good werewolf movies. This is great. I mean, this is like, this is a gift that we got a great Bigfoot movie in my lifetime. I love it. I'm super excited about it. I, I am just, I can't tell you how happy I am to hear that. And, What's really weird about this review tonight is all most of the things that I've been talking about, there were things that I was wincing thinking that you were going to use as criticisms, right? And I thought I was going to have to defend against this, Josh. Like, for example, I thought that you were going to say exists is just too bombastic. It gives you the monster too much. It shows you too much. I thought that that was going to be your complaint. Funny well, I, I had that worry. I mentioned that. I had that worry at first when I was watching the movie because, like, ooh, don't no, don't give us no. I mean, you know, yeah, you just, because you're afraid the monster's not going to hold up. Why? Because it never has in the past. Yeah, and but and it does in this movie. It really does, and especially what you said about the close up toward the end, which is just phenomenal. There, there was a point I will say during the bicycle chase scene that I'm like, um, kind of looks like a guy in a suit, but I, it wasn't even, it wasn't even near, you know, the guys in suits we've seen before. I mean, it's not even near, I mean, a, you, watch abominable Jason. Yeah. It's you, not <laughs> even close. Yeah. I mean, you, you really buy this. I mean, it looks like a, a real creature. It looks biological and, and it is a yeah. humanoid character. Again, it might be a, you know, a feral human. It might be a missing link. So it's okay that it's a guy and I, you know, I the makeup effects are pretty, Pretty stellar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and there have been a lot of great makeup effects in the past. I mean, again, even just to go to Harry and the Hendersons, it looks cool, but you don't believe that it's real. And this, I believe that it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I tell you, this is a weird random side note, but um, the Maverick gas station, they're, they're Bigfoot thing. Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the and the beef jerky commercial. Yeah. The beef jerky one. That one actually looks kind of scary. I mean, if you see if you yeah. see that in a movie, I mean that that that's a random side note, but I think that's kind of freaky looking. Um, but so, Boss Butcher, what about your answer? To that are you expecting something um, or hoping for something better than this, or is this your movie? Is this the ultimate Bigfoot movie? Period. 
Well, it's it's definitely the go-to Bigfoot movie. Anytime anyone asks me what Bigfoot, if I want to watch a Bigfoot movie, what should I watch? This would be the first one I'd mention, hands yes. down. I might add. Yes. But I do think, and I am grateful. Like <laughs> like you were saying, Josh, I mean, I totally am grateful for this movie. I never thought I'd see a movie this good about Bigfoot. And I love Bigfoot movies. I don't care how bad they are, but it is nice to see one that's top-notch like this. But I do think, I don't know if it better is the right word, but there's the idea of just a mass of Sasquatches attacking that I'd love to see um, done properly. They, Bigfoot War, the books, the Bigfoot Wars books, if they could pr- do it in a, on the level of uh, a cinematic experience of this movie, as opposed to the the directed DVD that that we got, that I would enjoy immensely. But um, will yeah. it happen? I'd be shocked. I mean, I doubt it'll ever happen. That that Bigfoot Wars idea sounds great. Um, that Eagle Walk short film that I mentioned. If those guys were to get enough money to make a feature, they they are doing the right thing. Like that's another interesting take uh, to take it to like the '80s slasher summer camp vibe and do a cool Bigfoot movie in that. That space, I would love to see that. My Bigfoot movie, if I was going to make one, would definitely be Pacific Northwest, kind of like Lost Coast Tapes look, but just like really like overcast, wet, North Pacific coast, you know, huge overgrown ferns and things. Like that's the movie that I want, I guess, if I – in my fantasy Bigfoot movie. But I'm perfectly happy with this as an entry, Jason, and I think like Mm -hmm. as Boss said – for years, people would say, and I've asked Boss this actually in the past, can you recommend a good Bigfoot movie? And the answer is usually no. And, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's always been Legend of Boggy Creek, maybe, or maybe Sasquatch Legend of Bigfoot, or, you know, maybe this year people started saying Willow Creek. But I love that this movie came along and just blew Willow Creek out of the water immediately. I, that excites me beyond belief. So. <laughs> Yes, well said. All right, so should we wrap up with our final thoughts and ratings then? Let's do it. Okay, let's start with the Bigfoot man himself, Boss Butcher. What do you give it? Well, I believe I gave it an 8.5, and there again, mine are their subjective and enthusiastic votes more than actual crit- critiques, I'd say. But I could go even at a 9. I mean, I love this movie. It's right up my alley, and um, it's easily... It's the Bigfoot movie. I mean, it's eclipsed every other Bigfoot movie <laughs> in my book. So mm-hmm. I love it. So you tell people to buy this? Hell yes. If especially <laughs> if you're just a horror fan and not really a Bigfoot fan, I'd say buy it. But if you're a Bigfoot fan, it's a must-have. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be a day one buyer of this movie for sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I'll chime in right there with you. This is the definitive Bigfoot movie thus far <laughs> to me. Yeah. And uh, I'll also say I love it because it's a Beastly Freaks flick that where the creature looks great. It also has a siege narrative aspect to it, which is very well done and scary. And this is an 8 out of 10 for me. This is a buy for sure. I loved it. And so what do you say, Wolfman Josh? Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I think, um, you know, we've mentioned, I think we reviewed two of the best other Bigfoot movies tonight and my ratings were a five and a three (laughs) for what I, what I think are two of the best Bigfoot movies prior to this. Uh, Willow Creek is maybe a three, you know, another one of the best Bigfoot movies out there. And then, (laughs) and then Sasquatch Legend of Bigfoot, I'd give a five. So 
my top four Bigfoot movies previous to this, two of them were rated fives, two rated threes on my, on my scale. (laughs) I give this a nine. Um, I, the only things that hold this back for me, I don't love the kids and I don't love the excuse of how the, the filming begins. And there's a part of me that wishes it was Pacific Northwest. All that stuff is maybe enough to knock off a point, but this is a nine, and I'm not rating this as a big movie. I'm saying as a movie, this is a nine horror movie. It is awesome, and as mm. Boss said, I think any horror fan that likes that kind of fun, energetic, as Jason's, you know, was kind of saying, that type of horror movie, you're going to have a blast with this movie, mm. and leave totally pumped up and energized afterward. Mm-hmm. Despite it kind of having a a dark and and sad ending. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's true, and it is. A, we didn't even touch on it, and I don't think we should because it would be a spoiler. But yeah. yeah, there's some surprises in this movie. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I think we're all calling this a must see. I mean, people need to see this now. Yeah. Right? right. It's a yeah. buy. It's on VOD now, and um, it's going to be coming out at, what on Blu-ray after the New Year. I think it's worth seeing right now, though. Honestly, I mean, oh yeah, I, I rented it on Amazon. It's only like seven bucks, wasn't it? I'm, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. seven bucks. It's definitely worth checking out. And, and again, yeah, when the Blu-ray's out, you should definitely buy it. That's right. So that's Exists. And everybody stick around because in a moment we'll cut to our interview that we did with Eduardo Sanchez. And thanks. I just want to thank Josh, the Wolfman here, for lining that up for us. He got Eduardo to appear on the show. And it's a tremendous interview, so make sure you don't miss that. And I just want to, at this point, just thank Boss Butcher for coming on tonight and talking Bigfoot stuff with us for about two hours. That's pretty gracious of you, and I knew you were the right man to call for this job. So, Boss, will you tell the listeners where they can hear more of your work and your horror podcasts? Of course, and believe me, I can't think of a funner way, if that's a word, a more fun way, to spend two hours and talking about Sasquatch. (laughs) I love it. We actually have, we're planning, literally planning to do a Falk expedition next fall. Um, Me and a couple of the other peeps, we're going to do a YouTube thing with it. We'll see how it pans out. We're going to start having meetings here in a couple of weeks to plan it, but... Um, yeah, I have two podcasts that I do. Uh, the biggest one is Terror Troop. Been doing that for quite a while now. We're, you know, over 130 episodes and we're multiple times a week. Um, you know, it's mostly horror, but we cover, gosh, I have psychics on there. We talk to, you know, we have a lot more interviews now than we used to and uh, mm. talk about just relevant topical things and laugh and goof off. It's It's a it's like uh, taking a bunch of your goofy buddies to work with you. That's the way I look at that podcast. A lot of fun. And then my other one I've started up is Found Footage Files. To my knowledge, the only current found footage only podcast. I know um, we did find a somebody attempted it a, you know, a year ago or so. Um, we actually covered exists on episode six, but that show runs about an hour. We're bi-weekly and we'll throw stuff out every now and then between episodes. Um, we did interview the writer of this film, uh, um, as a matter of fact, and that'll be coming up shortly. Jamie Nash, he joined cool. us and talked about the movie. And, uh, yeah, have a great time talking about the found footage films and uh, defending it because there's a very vocal majority that just beat up on found footage. I have come to uh, appreciate them, and uh, I'm kind of the open mind. Kelly Kilbot is the uh, expert, I would say, on found footage on the show, and uh, I just have a blast with it. But I, yeah, it, foundfootagefiles.org is our website and terrortroop.com. 
Well, cool. We're going to have Eduardo back to talk about the Blair Witch Project when we do our found footage episode, I guess. So we're going nice. to have you or, you or Kelly back on the show with us to, to talk about found footage with us some more. We'd love to be there. All right. And at this point in episode 34 of Horror Movie Podcast, I'm going to turn it over here to Wolfman Josh to introduce our guest. Guys, we have a very special guest. We've been teasing him all episode long, and we're very pleased to have Eduardo Sanchez, the director of Exists, with us. Eduardo is probably best known as the co-director of The Blair Witch Project. He's directed a lot of other great horror movies, Lovely Molly, which is on the paranormal spectrum, Altered, which is a great alien film. He did a segment in VHS 2, has some similarities to Exist, which I'm excited to talk to Eduardo about. And has recently directed an episode of From Dust Till Dawn, the television series. I'm very, very excited. Eduardo Sanchez, welcome to Horror Movie Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for talking to us about Exist today. Now, I, I heard somewhere that when you were first talking about the Blair Witch, you guys were referencing stuff like uh, Boggy Creek, The Legend of Boggy Creek. And you mentioned to us when we talked to you about Blair Witch that In Search Of was a big influence. Is Bigfoot something you've always had interest in? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, you know, it's, it's like my creature, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I grew up in the 70s, so it's definitely my favorite monster. The reason that, you know, I love it so much is that there's always this level of like reality to Bigfoot. You know what I mean? It's one of these things that like is talked about as being real, you know, and whether you believe it or not, or whether you think it's a bunch of bullshit or whatever, it's still like this, you know, the fact that people still talk about it and still, you know, think it's, some people think it's real and people continue to see it. You know, there's sightings, you know, pretty much every day. It just kind of fascinated me. And also, you know, Dan, when we were doing the Blair Witch Project, you know, the the early rumblings of inspiration on Blair Witch was definitely Legend of Boggy Creek and In Search Of and, you know, all these kind of movies that or all these kind of shows that presented themselves as being real. For me, you know, Bigfoot was like the creature that I loved when I was a kid. And so when Blair Witch made me a filmmaker and, you know, I had a little bit of power as far as like what kind of movie I wanted to make, I immediately, like the first film that I wrote after Blair Witch, which, you know, that I wrote myself was called Manable Walk. And it's, it's it was a Bigfoot movie. It was like an $80 million Bigfoot period piece. And it was a crazy kind of movie to try to make. But we actually went shopping with it, you know, out to shop. You know, we shopped it around and there was a lot of interest and a lot of people i optioned it a couple of times and there's actually people that were interested in doing it but it was just such a huge movie and so i've been kind of obsessed with making a bigfoot movie since definitely since i was a kid and then ever since blair witch it's kind of been my number one goal to try to make a bigfoot movie so was that boggy creek in search of uh, documentary style uh, the reason that you went found footage again or this on this or you know when i saw your section of um, vhs2 I thought, wow, this must have been where he got the idea to make the Bigfoot movie. What were the connections there that I'm missing? We had just wrapped the Bigfoot movie when we went and shot VHS 2. Okay, okay. It was right after. We had definitely had a lot of experience with the GoPros and just kind of shooting stuff attached to people, which helped a lot with the VHS movie. Very similar style. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, and my thing is that, you know, I mean, like I talked earlier to you guys about Blair Witch, about the idea of like, you know, we kind of tried to separate ourselves from found footage. Like it wasn't something that we were ready to do. And, you know, it took me almost, you know, 12, 13 years to kind of get back and say, yeah, I think I could do a found footage movie again, you know? And I think that what happened was that, you know, we 
were writing the script for Exists, and it was kind of like, we definitely wanted some of the characters to have video cameras, and we kind of wanted to do something like what we did with Lovely Molly, where it was like some found footage was in the movie, but it was just mostly a conventionally shot film, you know? And we were going to kind of do the same thing, but the more we got into it, the more we realized that, you know, Bigfoot really is a, is a found footage creature, you know? I mean, everything... Yeah. Everything you've seen about Bigfoot, whether you believe it's real or not, is found footage. You know, the Patterson-Gimlin film that, you know, the famous film of him walking across the creek bed, that's found footage. So it was kind of like this thing where it's like, as soon as we made the decision that we were going to do a found footage, like everything kind of came together and we, a lot of problems were solved and it just felt right, you know, and even shooting the movie, like it just felt right doing it that way. So it's definitely advanced. Like obviously there weren't any GoPros when we were doing Blair Witch. So there's definitely a change of aesthetic as far as like, you know, how people are shooting videos now and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, there is we were able to kind of take a lot of stuff that we had done on Blair Witch and kind of just, you know, take it to the next level, you know. Exist has a score, which I think is, you know, it doesn't pretend to be found footage. It doesn't pretend to be real. You know, we, we realize that nobody's going to believe, you know, we don't have to make people believe that this is real. You know, it's just, it just has to feel authentic, you know, and it's, and it's a movie. It's a, you know, it's an action. It's a popcorn movie. It's a monster movie. You know, I want people to enjoy themselves and, you know, not think too much about it while going through it, you know. And I know that um, Jamie Nash was the screenwriter for Exists, but could you talk about setting this movie in Texas as opposed to like the traditional Bigfoot country of the Pacific Northwest? It really was a totally kind of pragmatic decision. You know, we went scouting and we were, you know, we were trying to, we were looking for places, you know, in the Northwest. My partner, Greg, lives in Portland. So he was looking for places, you know, which is, you know, around his, where he lives, which is Bigfoot country. But we went down to Texas. You know, there was supposedly somebody who had offered, made us a pretty good offer as far as the location was concerned. And we went down there and it was kind of, you know, it just, it was just the perfect place. You know, it was there was this place called Spiderwood Studios and they had, you know, about 110 acres of woods. They had, you know, they were on the Colorado River so we could do water stuff. And then also they had, you know, sound stages and, you know, offices and a cafeteria. So it was kind of for us, it was a very handy and very practical to be able to be in the woods and look like you're in the middle of the woods. And then all of a sudden, you you know, you can take a golf cart ride and go to a real bathroom or go eat inside. Right. It was just good for the crew to have to not be stuck in the woods for, you know, four weeks or whatever. That's um, a big Bigfoot sighting area, though, too, isn't it? It is. It is. And then, yeah, that's exactly what we found out later, you know. Once we came back and we were like, all right, you know, how do we make this Texas? And then we started doing a little research. And I had, and I already knew, I don't know why I hadn't really made the connection, but I had seen a movie called um, Southern Fried Bigfoot. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah, which is a good, really good Bigfoot documentary. You know, he kind of goes into the whole idea of like Bigfoot is this Southern kind of creature. And, you know, they talk a lot about Texas. And so, you know, we realized that, man, there's a lot of sightings in Texas. And actually, Texas has probably the most organized Bigfoot documenting organizations that exist. They've got a big conf- like big conferences there. And big stuff. conferences and they have a they have a website that, you know, catalogs all the sightings and that makes sense because everything's bigger in Texas. Right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, we found out that there was this area called the Big Thicket on the east side that, you know, is just in the middle of nowhere. And there's a lot of Bigfoot sightings out there. And then the final fact that I realized once we started shooting and once we, you know, realized we were going to do it in Texas was that Legend of Boggy Creek was shot near the Big Thicket, like right there on the border of 
Texas and you know Arkansas. Yeah, so perfect. Yeah. yeah. So the original movie that kind of inspired me and scared the shit out of me and made me kind of an avid Bigfoot enthusiast took place in that area that I was shooting. You know that I was supposedly shooting my film in. So it, it was like it, it just seemed like it was the right move and it was a good decision. So you've got, I think probably all of us agree, probably have made the best Bigfoot movie to date. Oh, thank you. I like that it's scary, but that it's also set in, and without going into any spoilers and kind of a sympathetic place, you know, with all the scares that are in the movie. But your beast is actually incredible as well, and that it's on screen so much. I mean, we've talked about a lot of Bigfoot movies now on this show, and I think um, we're always frustrated. I mean, the Blair Witch Project ending was perfect for the Blair Witch, but that seems to be kind of a go-to for a lot of these movies now. And especially with Bigfoot movies, it seems like nobody wants to show us the monster. And so it was great to get to see it so much in this movie and that it looks so good. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, man. I mean, look, that was the only thing that I really wanted to do with this movie. You know, like I wanted to show the creature and, and I and I share your frustration because I, you know, I like Bigfoot movies and it always seems like they are always, like you said, they're always cheating Bigfoot out of the movie, you know? And to yeah. me, it's like, man, you, you can't advertise yourself as a Bigfoot movie as a monster movie and then not show the monster. You know what I mean? It just, you, you really are cheating the audience, you know? And, and for us, Blair Witch never, you know, Blair Witch wasn't a monster movie, you know what I mean? And I think that there's a difference between horror movies like Blair Witch or, you know, like Exorcist or whatever, where there's a lot of, you can kind of get away with using a little bit of the imagination, you know what I mean? Or paranormal activity, you know, where, you know, you don't really see anything, you know, but it's still really creepy. I think that a monster movie is a different kind of animal, you know, it's, it's you know, to I, I follow the Jaws, you know, which I think is the best monster movie ever. You know, I follow the Jaws model, which is the idea that, you know, you, you definitely show the creature, you know, or at least you tease the creature little by little. And then at the end, you give the audience what they want, what they paid to see. You know yeah. what I mean? I, yeah. So for me, it was like, we got this great creature, you know, same guys that did Altered you know, designed the, cre- you know, the, the, the effects for Altered did the creature. And we got this Brian okay. Steele, you know, this guy, Brian Steele, who is in the suit. And, you know, where we have this amazing looking creature that we spent, you know, a ton of money on. And, you know, I was going to show it off, man. You know, and so to me, it was like, mm-hmm. that was, the, that was the main kind of goal, especially in the post process of like, I'm going to go right in close up on the face, man. You know, it looks, it looks good to me, you know, it looks good. And I think, you know, I can take the movie to a place that, you know, most monster movies don't go to, which is like what you guys were talking about before is the idea that, you know, you actually are sympathetic for this, to this monster. And the monster has kind of like a character arc. So I was really happy about that. And I, you know, I love the fact that you guys are definitely tuning into the fact that, you know, that the creature's there and we show it off and, you know, and it's, it's, it's magnificent, you know? So, I I mean, were you at ever at any point scared to show the monster that much? Were you pretty confident in your makeup team or like, and I'm also curious about the design of, of the creature, you know, is that something that you wanted to be just purely out of your imagination? Were you kind of like channeling any other previous Bigfoot that you've seen in a movie or what was kind of your approach to that? You know, you start off with, I guess, the best Bigfoot ever, which is probably the Patterson-Gimlin film, you know? Right. Whether you believe that's real or not, that's a good looking creature, you know? Mm -hmm. We started from that and then we we kind of said, all right, it's Texas, so it's probably not going to be quite as hairy. It's going to be a little thinned out, you know, like it's maybe shedding a little bit. You know, we wanted it to be taller. We definitely wanted it to tower over people. 
And we wanted it to be real. You know what I mean? We wanted to, we didn't want it to be able to have like, you know, superhuman strength, like be able to like lift a car over its head or whatever. Like we, <laughs> you know, it, it was kind of a gorilla. Like to me, you know, that's powerful enough. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to survive a fight with Bigfoot. You know what I mean? A hand to hand. Right. Yeah. Or a gorilla either. Yeah. Right? Or a gorilla. I mean, you know, you're, that's not going to end well for you, you know? So, you know, we wanted to basically base it in reality the whole time, you know, and, and that's kind of where the creature design, the beginnings of it. And then the sound, you know, for us was really important too, because, you know, it's like, that's half the idea of bringing the creature to life is, you know, is the sound. So we got a great sound place, the same place that did Lovely Molly, and they became Bigfoot. They designed this instrument called the Squatchophone, which was <laughs> like, a, like a saxophone built out of pipes and stuff. And they went to town on it, you know, and they created this really vibrant and very kind of deep audio palette for the creature, you know. So, you know, there was a lot of thought as far as that was concerned. What was the first part of the question? I mean, that was the main thing. I was curious. Were you ever afraid to kind of uh, oh, yeah, show, yeah. The, show the creature? Yeah. And then, or and that then, the makeup wouldn't hold up, I guess. Yeah, no. I mean, look, man, you know, the idea that I've been obsessed with the Bigfoot movie is I had this idea in my head. I was like, you know, if I can get, you know, because I'm, I'm a big fan of like Rick Baker, you know what I mean? Like that movie Greystoke, you know, the apes, <laughs> yes, the, apes yes. <laughs> the apes in that movie are freaking amazing, you know, and, but it's also it's not just. His work, but it's also the way they shot it and the lighting, you know, they, they're just really creepy. So I actually used a lot of that footage from that movie just to kind of as a as like a flavor reel, you know what I mean? So I always had this idea. I was like, man, if I could get somebody like Rick Baker to design my suits and if I can do this. And so I had an idea as to how I was going to put together like a good, you know, a good looking Bigfoot. So once we went down that road, you know, there's always this hesitation of like, OK, how good is this thing going to look? You know, because at the end of the day, man, it's a guy in a suit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I had my doubts. You know, I was like I was ready to like really cover it up. You know, I was really ready to kind of keep it behind stuff. And obviously that last scene, I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't have been able to pull off that last scene if, if the makeup didn't look great. But I mean, you know, we tested the creature in L.A. like about six or seven months before we started shooting. And uh, Brian Steele came out in the suit and it was just it was amazing man like we shot you know a bunch of footage and um we realized man you can get like right up to this thing and it looks like a freaking sasquatch you know like brian we, had, we <laughs> yeah. shot him he was like foraging around for stuff and pretending to put stuff in his mouth and it looked like a you know like a wildlife special on a, on a, on a big <laughs> you know what i mean we were just behind the spectral motion offices in la you know in this little piece of wood that a couple of trees that the parking lot had you know so I realized at that moment that, you know, yeah, man, I got probably the best Bigfoot suit that I've, you know, that I've, that I had ever seen. When Bigfoot enthusiasts talk about the Sasquatch, they talk about him in a couple of different ways. Some people talk about him as this North American wood ape, which kind of goes back to what you were saying about him being related to apes and gorillas. Others talk about him as kind of a feral human. And I think what you did really beautifully here is you were able to combine both of those looks and also still get that classic Sasquatch look in the creature design. Yeah, thanks, man. I was just real happy with it. And it was just it was just cool to be able to, like, finally make a Bigfoot movie, man. I mean, it was, like, probably the most fun I've had on any set. And it was just, like, there was times where we would just, you know, I would look at my partner and be like, man, we I can't believe we're making a Bigfoot movie. You know, it was like, you know, we were like little kids, you know, and on, on a playground. You know what I mean? But, yeah, man, you know, it was it was definitely a tough thing because you really don't know how it's going to look. You know, you, you all you can do is, like, kind of trust your idea and, you know, what you have and obviously trust the people that you've brought in to bring the creature to 
closer to life. But uh, it really was a, a great collaboration. And, you know, and I think, you know, I, I definitely think that it's it's a great looking Bigfoot, you know, and I'm really, really happy with it. Ed, I wonder if you could talk about this. One of my favorite things in a horror movie is when they are willing to go show horror in the daylight. And this is something that happens and exists as well. You guys bring the horror to the daytime as well. And um, I just wonder if you could talk about any challenges or was that difficult to do? Because a lot of times they'll hide horror in the darkness and in the shadows. Yeah, well, I mean, look, it's easier, you know, it's definitely easy to, you know, and it's it's easier to kind of obviously to hide stuff. And then it's easier to, I think it's easier to scare people in the dark. It's just a kind of a more naturally compelling place to be, you know, the, you know, everybody at one time or another had, you know, has feared the dark. But for us, it was like, there was a little bit of pragmatism because we, we had a lot of scenes at night. And we realized that, man, you know, because the originally the scene with the motorhome, you know, the little wreck, little home at the end. Yeah. Then, that was going to take place at night. And we just realized, man, that's going to be brutal because shooting at night is just just brutal. I mean, you know, yeah, right. You know, even though, you know, you plan for it and you try to get some sleep or whatever, it just messes you up and it messes your weekend up. I mean, it, it's it's a it's a tough thing for the director and, the you know, and, and everybody on the set. Did you go uh, shoot day for night when you were in the cabin? We, no, we shot, we blocked it off a little bit because, you know, we were inside so you could block out the windows, but then, you know, some of the stuff we had to shoot it, you know, either day or, or at night, you know what I mean? But yeah, we, you know, you, you can cheat a little bit when you're inside, you can cheat night a little bit easier, but it's just tough to shoot at night. So that sequence is the, at the end was supposed to be at night. And uh, we were just like, you know, I think it would be a lot cooler to do it in the day. And, you know, it would just, you know, it would be easier for the crew, be easier for us. And also, you know, you get a chance to see this creature in the day, which I think would be cool, you know, in the, you know, in the third act. So we did it. And, you know, and luckily, like I said, you know, it worked and, uh, and, you know, and we were really, we were pretty happy with it, man. But it was definitely, you know, you definitely, your go-to kind of setting is night, you know, that's just the way it is, you know. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad it worked out for us, you know. You mentioned the motorhome scene, and um, the greatest shot in the film comes during that, I think. And it's just when the camera is low and we see something from above. And I just wonder if you could talk about that, Ed. Yeah, that was, you know, that was one of those things where I was like, I want to see Bigfoot doing stuff that I've never seen him do, or at least never seen him do in a cool, you know, in a really cool way. You know, I mean, there's definitely been some Bigfoot action stuff. And, you know, even back when I was a kid, like the Six Million Dollar Man and all that stuff. But, you know, there was always a level of kind of like, man, that that looks kind of crappy sometimes, you know. So I just wanted to sell the idea that this is an animal that, you know, half man, half animal that can, you know, that can do some things, you know, it, it can it can do some stuff that humans can't do. So we always had this kind of jump in mind, you know, this jump from the cliff onto something right toward the camera. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so, and it was a lot more difficult than we thought it was going to be because we, we, you know, we, we were in Texas and there was there weren't too many cliffs you know, where we were and the, and the ones that were just didn't work. So we actually ended up, you know, making a fake cliff, you know, like a wall just for that shot. And then, you know, Brian Steele, the man in the, in the suit, he did his own stunt. I mean, you know, he, no, you know, nobody else could fit that suit. So he, you know, he had to do it and, you know, and he was, you know, he was really happy to do it. I mean, it was, I think he had a lot of fun doing it. So it was, you know, so we basically had it, we did three takes on it. And it was just a matter, you know, he was hanging on two cables just to kind of, you know, slow down his fall a little bit. I guess he he fell maybe like 20 feet 
but it looks a lot more impressive on film. But it was still a pretty big, yes. you know, jump for for him. And uh, you know, just the fact that he was able to do it in this suit in Texas in the heat and you know, suspended by, I, you know, it was just it was just kind of one of these amazing things. And and it's one of those shots that as a filmmaker, years before, you're like, oh, that shot would be cool. And then you get to the set and you're like, wow, I hope this works because you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you know, I don't know if we're going to pull it off. You know what I mean? And you know, once we saw it played back we were like okay that's the one and then we just we just painted the wires out to get rid of the wires but yeah it was definitely one of the most exciting days of the shoot and uh and it was near the end of the shoot and uh it was just you know it was a good way to kind of you know finish off the shoot with this you know spectacular jump yeah i mean i think you really nailed it for sure i mean my favorite scene is something that happens kind of right before that that's kind of Again, goes with the what you don't see is scary and kind of underground setting, but man, that terrified me uh, and and was also just interesting and and unique as well. But I wanted to ask you really quickly, and I know Jamie Nash wrote the script, but we haven't talked about the kids at all in the movie or the you know the the kind of human characters. What did you want to get out with these characters? Why this group of kids? What interested you about those characters? We talked a lot about, you know, what do we want to see, you know, who do we want to see in this, you know? And we we toyed around with the idea of, like, making it a family, you know, making it kids. But, you know, it was like, to me, it's like, it's supposed to be like a fun monster movie. You know what I mean? Like, to me, I didn't want to get, like, too heavy with it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I actually have, you know, other Bigfoot scripts that are way heavier, you know what I mean? And... I kind of just wanted to awesome. <laughs> I just wanted to make it kind of like okay these knucklehead kids go off into this cabin you know like a very much like a basic setup and then add Bigfoot. So to me it's like <laughs> I didn't want to like reinvent the wheel, you know what I mean? I kind of wanted to, to just play on kind of the clichés of, you know, of a lot of horror movies and then add Bigfoot, which I thought had never really been done before, you know what I mean? And yep. to me because I think a lot of you know, there's some Bigfoot movies where, like, you're almost, like, mixing genres. Like, there's science fiction, like, the Bigfoot is from another planet or, <laughs> you know, I'm saying, it's just this weird thing. And so, to me, it was like, no, this is a Bigfoot movie. So, I don't want anything else to kind of, like, hinder the idea that this is just a Bigfoot movie. So, I kind of, you know, Jamie and I both were like, you know, let's just come up with, you know, five basic kind of knucklehead characters And, you know, and then put them in this situation with the creature. And really, you know, for us, the creature was the main character, you know what I mean, in the movie. And that's how kind of we, we, you know, we designed it. And also it's a found footage movie. Found footage movies, really difficult to do to build characters like in found footage movies because it's just the usual scenes that build character in regular movies you know, you wouldn't shoot as a found footage, you know, if you do, if you were doing a documentary, you know what I mean? Like you wouldn't shoot arguments. And, and I think that a lot of um, Blair Witch is totally guilty of this is like, it ends up being a lot of arguing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and we just kind of wanted to make that very minimal. <laughs> I and, gave uh, you back the map. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We just wanted to make it minimal. And also, you know, I mean, look, man, we had with Blair Witch, I mean, there was a level of kind of cheating of just kind of skirting around the issue that we weren't going to show you anything. You know what I mean? Like we were just kind of like, all right, let's do this and let's do that. And we have to do this because there's nothing to show. And I think on, on Exist, you know, we I knew we had this freaking amazing creature to show and I just wanted to get to it quickly. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, where we kind of came up with this kind of streamlined way to get into the Bigfoot as quickly as possible, you know? 
Well, this might have been a costume department thing, but are you a fan of Daniel Johnston, the musician? Because I noticed a character in the beginning is wearing a Daniel Johnston shirt, and I know Josh and I are huge fans. Yeah, you know what? It was, it was, um, you know, I ne- had never heard of him, you know, but one of the costume people were talking about it and they're like, you know, it'd be cool to put something. I- I'm always in, you know, I'm, oh yeah, something local and something that gives a little bit of the character or this and that. So, you know, as long as it's not like something really overt or, you know, something that, that I think is cool. And, you know, and it's cool that you guys picked it up, but, you know, probably, you know, a lot of most people probably didn't pick it up at all. You know what I mean? And I, I, I really yeah. like those kinds of details in movies. You know what I mean? So um, the w- last thing I wanted to ask you about this is uh, the year this comes out, there happens to be another kind of high profile found footage Bigfoot movie at the same time. Ironically, the other movie seems like kind of a, a ripoff of Blair Witch. And even though this is the one that's made by the director of Blair Witch. That movie has more in common with Blair Witch, oddly, or at least tries to uh, copy what you guys did there. Was that a bummer to find out that that Bobcat Goldthwait's making his movie or that it's coming out at the same time after you've kind of been waiting to make a movie this long? Yeah, I mean, not really. Look, whenever you're doing a movie and something similar is going to come out, you know, you're always worried about it. But it, it always ends up being you worry for nothing. I mean, we when we were doing Blair Witch, I don't know if you guys ever heard of a movie called The Last Broadcast. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, that movie, like we literally saw the trailer to that movie. Like I remember the moment that I saw the trailer to that movie, like Dan and I, I had just moved to Florida and I was literally like sleeping on his floor. And we had just started like editing the movie. We were getting the equipment ready and we had just shot it. It was like maybe January of 98. And we both saw this trailer and we were like, I mean, we were just, it was just heartbreaking. Like we were like, you know, we freaking came up with this idea like five years ago, six years ago. And it's, you know, we think it's so original and all this. And then on the freaking, you know, the moment that we shoot it, we find out that there's another movie that is very similar to it. So we beat ourselves up a lot about that. And then once we saw the movie, later that summer, we saw the movie and we realized, you know, it's similar, but it's it's a very much a different film. And I think that, you know, you kind of sometimes, you know, you you fear the idea that somebody else is going to steal your idea or, or take all the, you know, your thunder away from you or whatever. But at the end of the day, it usually it's two different filmmakers, two different budgets, two different screenwriters. I mean, it, you know, it just shows you that, you know, you can take a very similar subject matter and do very different things with it, you know, and, and how collaborative filmmaking is and how, you know, how original you can take the same, almost the exact same story and just the execution makes it so different. You know what I mean? It was kind of one of these moments like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening, whatever. But at the same time, (laughs) it was cool. I mean, I I have no problems with it. You know, I've heard a lot of people really love it. A lot of people really hate it. And I think, you know, a lot of people really love my film. A lot of people really hate it. So it's kind of the same shit. And and I, I look forward to the day I'm thinking about doing like a Bigfoot film festival. You know what I mean? you know, just here locally. And, you know, and obviously I would have to include that movie. So, you know, there's no, hard, <laughs> there's no hard feelings, you know I mean? And, you know, and it's, it's, they're two very different films. I think they take two different approaches. And well, he uh, takes a Blair Witch approach, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it is weird because, you know, it's kind of one of these things where I, I mean, yeah, and even exists. I mean, you know, you, like you guys were talking about, it's like, it's very difficult to get away from Blair Witch when you're doing a found footage movie. You know, it, it's just kind of one of these things. It's like, you know, when you're doing a possession or exorcism movie, it's really difficult to get away from exorcist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the movie. 
movie that defined that, you know, genre. So it's very difficult to get away from Blair Witch and exist, you know, has definitely some beats that are like, okay, that's Blair Witch. But, you know, at the same time, you know, you try to do something different, especially for me, since, you know, I've already made that movie. I haven't seen Willow Creek yet, but I appreciate the fact that, you know, he was trying something new. He was trying something, you know, that maybe, you know, maybe stepped on Blair Witch a little bit. But still, it was new to him. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of people who really dig the film. So, you know, you can't. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Parallel Activity, I think, took a lot from Blair Witch, too. But, you know, it's it's unique enough to make it, you know, he made his own film. And you, know, you can't blame them. The fact that whether I inspired, you know, Oren Pelly or Bobcat or whoever, to me, that's, you know, that's kind of cool that, that at least people are still watching my work. And so, you know, it, it is what it is, man. I, I You know, I can't really complain too much. I love Bobcat actually as a filmmaker, but all of the frustrations that came out when I watched Willow Creek were kind of like put to bed when I watched Exist. So it was nice to kind of, <laughs> it was kind of well, nice to get a payoff to all of that. I liked Willow Creek myself, Ed. I think you should check it out at some point. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely have to check it out. It's just that I've been, um, you know, when you make a movie, I, you know, I try to just kind of stay away from. I try to do research as much as I mean, like I try to watch as many Bigfoot movies as possible before I shot exists. But then once you're in the mix, to me, it's like I kind of have to lay back because I don't want to. It's like you're dealing with very similar subject matter. And I didn't want to. The last thing I want to do is rip anybody off. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, what I'm saying I almost think, you know, I feel like it was actually brave of you to make this movie in a way, because, you know, as someone who is a fan of Bigfoot, that there are so few if if really any good Bigfoot movies out there. So you're, it's a little almost dangerous to make a Bigfoot movie and expect it to be any, or to be able to rise above kind of, you know, the, the rest of the films in the genre. But I, I don't know. I just have to hand it to you. I think you've made a really great entry, probably the best so far. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could um, tell us a little, you know, what you can about your other Bigfoot projects and then uh, give us any plugs. Where can people find you on Twitter? Where can they find you online? Where can they buy your movies? Anything like that. Give us kind of your your plugs that we can we can make sure are in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm uh, right now we're writing some things. We're about to be greenlit on hopefully two films, you know, knock on wood, because you never you never greenlit until you're on set, man. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, so we, you know, we can't really talk about there, there, you know, there is one that is, uh, it's not found footage, but it's similar style. And then the other one is, you know, strict kind of conventional filmmaking that I'm very excited about, very excited about both films. And um, right now, the big thing for us is we're trying to push into TV. I've been directing a little bit of TV and, you know, we're... Yeah, we, I saw that you did the From Dusk Till Dawn television. Yeah, right? yeah, which I thought was great. And I think, you know, we're, I think I'm going to go back to do, a, you know, at least one of season two next year. So I'm pretty excited about that. I love Austin and, you know, working with Robert's great. And then um, I did the first two episodes of a show called Intruders for BBC America, which came out a couple months ago. And our goal right now is to kind of get something else going, get a, get our own TV show going. So we're kind of pushing that. And, uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is uh, Sanchez on the mic. And on Facebook, just, you know, Facts and Films, we have a couple of pages that you can keep track of all the stuff that's going on. I love especially Facebook. I'm, I'm kind of new to Twitter, but I definitely love Facebook. I just... I've always loved just interacting with the fans, and I built the original website for Blair Witch, you know, before Artisan bought us, and, and um, yeah. the fans really kind of help. You know, there's a lot of dark moments where 
we didn't know what the hell we were doing. We didn't know what the hell we had. And the fans just kind of really just, you know, really inspired us and to keep going and stuff. And it seems like every time I'm kind of feeling low or feeling weird about where I'm going in my career or, you know, if my film didn't do as well as I wanted it to go, always somebody reaches out and says, hey, man, you know, I love this. I love that. And, you know, there's just, it's just so inspiring to kind of get direct feedback from people. So, uh, you know, yeah, whoever's listening, you know, definitely uh, get in touch. And, uh, you know, I'd love to to just kind of uh, to be part of the you know my Facebook and Twitter family you know where can people best check out each of your films and that you'll make the most money off of it is what I like to. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I mean I guess exists is is, uh, is out on VOD so I think you can check it out and then it, it'll be out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray early next year you know we're getting we're putting some cool stuff on the DVD a lot of deleted scenes and we're doing a whole do- a little documentary in the making of the creature. So, you know, if you haven't seen the film, I'm, you know, and, and you're kind of person that likes collecting DVDs or Blu-rays, I you know, wait for the Blu-ray to come out. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff on there. Uh, Rent it now on VOD and then buy the Blu-ray because it's worth seeing. Yeah, right that's, away. <laughs> that's fine, too. You know? Yeah. But, you know, I, I look, I appreciate people spending their money. And I definitely after Blair Witch, you know, I've definitely been, uh, I'm, you know, I've always been an indie filmmaker. And even even after Blair Witch and, you know, I. I mean, I make a, I make a good living doing this, but you know, I don't make you know my, my movies. I don't I don't do it for the money. I definitely do it for you know because I believe in the material, and uh, I really do appreciate people spending their hard-earned money on you know to, to see my stuff. So it's uh, it, you know, no matter where you see it, you know, it's greatly appreciated. That, you know, you're, you're taking the time to check it out. Ed, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Okay. Well, I think that just about wraps up Porter Movie Podcast. We thank you for listening, but remember, join us this Friday. Episode 35 is our Black Friday horror episode where we'll be talking about the theme of commercialism in horror movies. It'll be a good time. We love your comments. Please feel free to email us. Um, You can email us at horrormoviepodcast at gmail.com and definitely get on the comment boards. We have a great community. Jump on the message board there at uh, horrormoviepodcast.com and leave comments in the show notes for this episode. You can also call in and leave voicemail at 801-382-8789 and that number's always in the show notes. You can find all our past episodes there on our website, horrormoviepodcast.com, including our archives for the weekly horror movie podcast and Horror Metropolis. You can subscribe free in iTunes and follow us on Twitter at HorrorMovieCast. I want to thank Boss Butcher of Terror Troop and director Eduardo Sanchez. And I want to thank Fred Ingram for the use of his music for our theme song. You can find more of his music at frederickingram.com. I'll have it linked in the show notes. Make sure you check out Dr. Shock's amazing blog at dvdinfatuation.com and follow him on Twitter at dvdinfatuation and follow the Wolfman Josh Legary on Twitter at IcarusArts. And make sure you come and listen to Josh and I over at moviepodcastweekly.com. We cover new releases that are in theaters of all genres every Tuesday. And all that stuff I just said is going to be linked in the show notes. And I think that's it. So thank you for listening. And join us again Friday for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Horror Movie Podcast.